we were going to bring a little Brigstock contingent of drunks, <laughs> but only Marty actually made made it coming. Um, but I want to thank everyone for making them feel so welcome because uh, they did have a good time. Good. Um, and everyone was very friendly, despite the fact that these guys have no, no idea about Thrones yeah. card game or anything like that. But uh, they made them feel very welcome. So thank you for being so lovely towards these weird people who just turned up at our Christmas. Um, so I appreciate that. And they appreciate that as well. You know, lovely picturesque picture oh. of the Rhine Valley is just as valid as a picture of Mitch with his top off. His name is Craven. He likes white ravens. And he will always use them to reduce your gold. His name is Dave, he cancels saves, he likes to make the opposition have bad days. His name is Tom, he plays for fun, and if you beat him then he'll punch you in the face. It's the UK's fantastic podcast, this episode's the worst, so it's probably the last. With unopposed to claim banter, it's banter behind the throne. Hello and welcome to episode 77 of Banter Behind the Throne. Uh, tonight is the issue where we talk about what happened at Starlick and who you were at Starlick. Because everyone's a different person there. Right, coming up we have our regulars. We have Mr. Tony. Hello everyone. Mr. Dave. Hello. And Mr. James, which sounds really weird. So we'll go with Mr. Whammer. Hello. Right. Uh, we're going to do a few questions tonight, and then later we have your entries for the photo on the bench. And uh, we've got a few, so we're going to go through them, and uh, I will decide a winner. And the prize is to be determined very soon uh, by the end of the cast. And it is going to involve something to do with Christmas, because mm-hmm. inevitably that's approaching, isn't it? I think by the time this goes out, it will be the 1st of December, and therefore I have to accept it's coming. Uh, our fans are inevitably known for their love of Christmas rather than their love of Thrones, clearly. And so Christmas is the most appropriate gift to give. <laughs> Christmas is. It will be a Thrones-related Christmas gift. I'm not going to make it. It just seems very coincidental. I could lovely time to send the prize. And it's Christmas, so you can enjoy that. going to get a few copies of Much and More and just draw Santa hats on them. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, with a permanent marker or something and, and <laughs> squiggle on the sign them. There you go. It's a sign much and more with a Santa hat and an eye patch. It's been a rough year. <laughs> right. So starting off, it's well, I guess we do the Starlet questions, really. So to begin with the thing, what preparations did you make for the weekend? Dave? I didn't do a huge amount of preparation for the weekend. I decided a couple of weeks before that I would either be playing Stark Conclave, which Whammer built, and I was having a lot of fun with, but I found it slightly too inconsistent. Um, slightly too slow um, or Greyjoy Crossing because I was having a good win rate with it and you can play it quite conveniently hungover sometimes it just wins it just does and there's no explanation to how it just does it's just like oh I'm at 15 power now and I didn't really do anything that was easy so uh, in the end I decided to play Greyjoy Crossing uh, and for the melee I thought about building my own deck and then couldn't be bothered so I was going to rebuild a more up to date version of the uh, Targ Rose that I took last year that was built by Johnny and then I took it to Nationals this year um, and I was going to update that but then he sent me a more up to date list anyway so I just played a, an, an updated version of his updated list which was nice so yeah that was my preparation for Starlek essentially and then uh, I had a lovely night out on the Friday with um, Alex O'Feeworth. Party Marty and uh, Liam Hall 
and then uh, two of them went off to a gig and Liam and I came back to ours and had a little melee with Vince and Darren it was lovely uh, Vince won the melee obviously obviously <laughs> yeah he does like melee <laughs> what about you Tony how did you prepare yourself for, for the weekend which has been known to cause alcohol poisoning how I prepare myself and what I did are kind of two different things, I guess. I pretty much didn't prepare myself for the weekend. I mean, I booked I booked a B and B, which I thought I thought was pretty important. I you know booked the flight. These are all the kind of good preparations for going away on holiday in general, booking travel and booking accommodation. So I did all of that, but that wasn't Stalic specific to any um, to any extent. Deck wise, deck wise, I was going to say to like David's going to play Stark Conclave and. I think uh, I, I think if he had played Stark at Nationals and Stark at Stalic, the, the the number of boos he would have continued to get on this podcast would just be. <laughs> so who oh, knows? But having said that, I played Night's Watch all weekend, so I don't have anything to fucking shout about. <laughs> I thought you were going to change. I didn't think you were going to be taking Night's Watch. You were in turmoil about it before. I know on your on your own kind of sage advice. Um, you you encouraged me to kind of change, and I ignored you entirely. Uh, the reason what, behind it, though, was not for any you know gaming reasons. It was simply a case of the game is going to last till the end, mm-hmm. and uh, you don't have time for cigarettes and that. But it's, but it's funny you should say that, Peel, because because in the joust on Saturday when I played Night's Watch Reigns, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I that's... pretty much every game went to time. <laughs> pretty much, I was getting. <laughs> I was getting into the second round and looking around and going, oh, there's only 15 minutes left. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> or because because what they did this year, uh, compared to any previous year, um, I think I said a few times there that Stalic must have got some lottery money or something like that because there was certainly some kind of technological upgrades that they had. They had a big screen with a clock on it that counted down the time for the rounds, both in the melee and the joust. So it was, re- it was very easy to kind of look behind me and go, uh, this game's dragging on, isn't it? I bet you that's my fault. Mm, yeah. Oh, this game's fine when it's over and we're only in round three. Yeah, that's probably my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so I played I played Night's Watch Brotherhood in Melee, which was kind of based uh, once again off a deck that Wama built. Um, but I did a did a few little tweaks to it. Not sure whether they helped at all. And sure Night- they did. Uh, well, I, I, I don't know. There was a couple there was a couple of times where a thing would happen and I'd go, Yeah, I put that card in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is enough to keep me entertained. And played Night's Watch Reigns on the Saturday, uh, which wasn't the greatest of ideas. I had quite, you know, had quite an entertaining time, but uh, uh, I'm not sure whether there was much preparation for that. I played you a few times online, Peel, with that. Yeah, yeah. That, I made sure I, I made sure I played that deck at about quarter past four in the afternoon, so that by five o'clock you would go, ah, I've got to go home and concede. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I took them as wins every single time. So yeah, preparation wise was just building two nice watch decks and kind of smacking myself in the head and going, Oh god, I'm gonna play nice watch for weekend, what an idiot. In melee that really didn't matter. You know, it's because it's not like you build a wall deck in melee or anything like that. But when it came to <clears throat> when it came to actual preparation for being there at the weekend, I don't know, brought some warm clothes, brought some cigarettes. Yeah, everything was fine, I guess, as a result of that. I felt pretty well prepared and was equally well prepared for uh, the results that I got out of those decks over the weekend. Oh, 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 but the other preparation I definitely did was very much enjoying throwing 91 cards into a Baratheon Black Sails deck to play on the Sunday. That was probably the best fun that I had, even though it took about two and a half hours to find those cards. (laughs) 
because you know you build a 60 card deck fine you build a 91 card deck takes you more than 50 percent of the time more to find those cups put them in so but that paid that paid off i had a great time with that so right and now as you came i believe quite high uh firstly tell us how high you got up you know the chain of starlight and then tell us what you did better for the weekend okay yeah i made the top four in the joust which is the joint best that a brit has done although since the other person who made top four was reese and he only came fourth i'm going to claim that i came third and that that's the best the brit's ever done just to Yay. take that achievement away from reese that seems yeah. fair it also means I finish ahead of Chris Schoenthal, so I claim I, I can claim I did better than all the Americans, which is nice. As far as prep goes, uh, most of my prep was just sort of letting Keb handle all the prep. <laughs> um, nice. I, I made sure I knew where my passport was. I think that'll be my top tip for anyone who goes in the future. Hmm. Um, make sure you have your passport in advance. Don't go running around in a panic the day before. It doesn't do anything good for your sanity. Don't put it through the washing machine. Don't put it through the washing machine. <laughs> Don't put it through the washing machine, ever. We went to a home bargain store the week before, and I found <laughs> myself a rather lovely suit that I decided to wear. So I made sure I had some uh, braces to hold it up. Uh, <laughs> those from Reese. So, yeah, I, you know, I handled all the most important things. And then I'd been testing a few different decks based around cool new cards from the Tyrell box. You know, like Mace, like the Conclave, like uh, Besieged, High Garden Courtier, all these interesting cards that do cool things from the box. And then in my testing, they kept losing to Builders, so I just played Builders. <laughs> <laughs> if it was anyone else, I'd be angry. Yeah. Was Knight's Watch quite prominent this year, or was it just... Not really. I didn't play a single Knight's Watch opponent the entire weekend. I played a Stark like false banner watch that might as well have been mm. nice watch but no main faction watch the entire time but yeah i was testing him with florian and florian decided he was going to play builders and then that made me want to play builders and so yeah. thought we'd both play builders and then that's what we did it, it worked which i can't <laughs> complain about <laughs> right so um on the first day you got there that was you know thursday was it the first day or did you arrive friday morning sorry uh, Thursday. Thursday. I'm guessing, yeah, no, I was going to say, it would not make sense to do it the other way around. But no, on, on Friday you played Melee. Uh, what was the best and worst game you had that day? I, d- I did the best in Melee, so that's, that's apt. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm in top 16. Oh, very nice. Yeah, suck on that. Giving Whammer all the credit for doing well. You did the best, well, but well, I mean, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I made a cut as well. I'll have it be known that uh, only Bambi, Lewis and I made top 16 in Melee both years, both second edition years, which I think makes us the best second edition Melee players in the world. Um, and they agree with me. So They agreed with you, did they? <laughs> yeah. I think everyone I've asked agrees with me. Vince agrees with me as well. And he would know. <laughs> so I can't tell you. <laughs> My, I mean, all the games kind of blur into one. I lied a lot. I made a lot of deals. Never broke one, obviously. Can't break a deal. But I can lie. Uh, I added Dracaris, which wasn't in the deck originally, and then didn't play it all day. (laughs) Which was interesting. I had it in lots of games, but I just didn't need it. It was either overkill or um, it wouldn't stop anyone doing anything, so there wasn't any point in playing it. But it was nice to have it as, you know, just in case. 
and it's a lot easier to bluff when you know you have it. <laughs> so that was good. Every single game I opened with trading and flooded the board with no duplicates and then flipped Varus's Riddle turn two. And in four of my five games, I hit a Valor, Ooh. wiping the board every single time. Because somebody looks, they look at my board and I was often going last, flipping um, trading turn one or at least going like third. Yeah, I'd get quite a lot of power. They'll see it all. They'll see it unprotected. They'll see, you know, the other people in, you know, not a great position if they, if they valid. Somebody would valor, and then the entire board would get wiped. And it was just, it was so easy to force it. It was wonderful. Um, the, the best one game it, though, Dave, was your top sixteen game. Yes, it was. About valor and riddle. <laughs> yeah. So in the top sixteen game, um, it wasn't a you know a force the valor quite so much in that we negotiated to Valor because the one player we, I was at a table with uh, Matt Herdman from London and Liam Hall from Bristol and an American called Dave no not an American sorry a German called Dave that's very offensive I, I did the whole I did the same thing as I did previously where I played some quite decent characters out that were unprotected Danny a dragon something else deliberately knowing that I had Randall in my hand and some support stuff and then Dave went last and got a lot of power and looked like he would close next round. So we negotiated between the three of us to Valor and double riddle the Valor, which was pretty nice, ending up with the entire board being white, despite a tripped Marge being on Dave's board. Um, and it felt like we were, you know, it felt a little collusion-y, you know, like, oh, the Brits are just triple valored this guy. But uh, it was definitely the right thing for the table. So, yeah, there's not much to say about my Swiss games. I won three games. Um, I came joint second, which is third, at a table to Rybeck. I had a great time. I met some lovely people. The top 16 game, it looked, after the Valor, it looked like I was going to come out of he- ahead. And I had a Randall, who was looking in a mighty fine position to close when I flipped Clash. And I flipped the Clash into someone else's duel. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Dave's duel. Dave said, before we determined, I, I was like, right, I'm going to determine initiative. And Dave was just like, if I choose Liam, who doesn't have any six-costers, as the person for duel, will you kill Randall and Neil Matt Herdman's garland? And Liam was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Liam turned to me and said, if you make me first player, I'll resolve duel so that Garland, kneels and Gar- uh, sorry, garland dies and Randall kneels. And I was like, this is good news, you know. <laughs> Um, and this is after, you know, they had said, they said, oh, we should kill the Randall, Neil the Garden, and I, you know, I admitted, yeah, that's probably the best thing for the table, but we should do this and this and this. And people were considering me, considering my options, which was kind of weird. It is. It was very clearly the right decision to kill Randall. And I was, you know, I said, I don't have any strength bumps in hand. If Randall kneels, he's probably out. That was only half a lie, because in my defence, I'd forgotten that you could bestow Garland, and they actually did something. <laughs> Like the 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 forecast garland. Um, until about halfway through this conversation, I looked at my hand. And I was just like, "Oh shit, okay, I can't stand by Randall." <laughs> That's funny because I was standing behind you at the time, and I thought you were just being a lying shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and while I was doing it, Adam East whispered into my ear, just like, "You really are like a shitty human being, or something. you're an absolute bastard, or something like that." And I was just like, "What?" <laughs> Fine, yeah. I thought it was just because I was trying to worm my way out of not not killing uh, Randall, and then I was just like, "Oh yeah." Strength pump. Whoops. Yeah, I even went through the strength pumps in my deck with everybody and uh, said that I don't have them. And it's like, you've seen that one, and uh, I've only got one more copy of Marge and that kind of thing. Mm. Completely forgetting that I ran Garland. <laughs> and that he was in my hand. 
So in the end, uh, I made Liam first player, and he thought he could close, which is why he made the deal. Because he, he said, uh, yeah, if I make him first player and I give him an opposed intrigue, he thought he could close off, off that because he had the reader. In actual fact, it's a good chance that somebody would have been Dracarist, I think. Or something would have happened to uh, to stop that, and I, there's a good chance I would have won. And he knelt, he knelt Randall and killed Garland. And a couple of minutes later, while we were picking titles, someone realised that we hadn't really followed the rules of the game correctly, and that we had basically chosen who gets to resolve the duel before we chose first player. So after we chose Liam's first player, Dave should have had another chance to choose someone else for duel. And we had to call a judge. And in the end, the judge didn't really give us a proper call, which annoyed me a bit. But we, we agreed to roll it back to picking first player and resolving it properly from then. Um, which is a shame because I, yeah, there was a good chance I'd have won if it had stuck. I was judging the next day and a similar situation came up where somebody had valid or Sweeney had valid in fact um, and the other cat, the other guy scooped his board chose himself to go first player drew his cards for counting coppers and drew into a risen and said I want to save my Balon and Sweeney said no you valid first called me over and I said no you valid first it's a legal decision completely the opposite to the ruling we went with the day before but one I think was better and they appealed to Kutzlin and Kutzlin agreed with me so I was like damn I should have appealed to Kutzlin during the melee I should have just called a head judge over instead of you know, the yeah. weaselly judge that we got. I, th- I thought at the time that it was strange to go back, but I figured I couldn't really interject as not the recommended judge for that table. Yeah. Well, as it turns out, it wasn't someone on the table that noticed it. It was an onlooker that informed the judge. So you probably should have uh, jumped in. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I was quite sleepy yeah. by that point. Yeah. Um, but oh well, it was it was a good game anyway. All my melee games were fantastic, and that one was... The banter was pretty extreme on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the end, I had to choose whether to kingmake Matt or Liam. And I chose Matt because he's from London. <laughs> which makes me feel like a DC player from 2015, but I don't think the circumstances are quite the same. So it's fine. <laughs> you scumbag. Well, we didn't we didn't agree before the table, for one thing. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was my melee day, basically. Yeah. Uh, a good time was had by all. I've got a nice Harmanola mat. Ooh, fancy swag. I've already had offers for it. They <laughs> remain considered. Well, you, you know, you've uh, got to consider these offers. So, yeah. Okay. Um, my my favourite part of the melee was probably something you said, that I heard you say afterwards, Wabba, uh, your conversation with Johnny right behind me. You said to Johnny, while you were watching the Top 16 melee game, did you build Dave's deck, Johnny? He's like, yeah, 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 I did, yeah good because i didn't there must have been one of us <laughs> which is fair enough <laughs> but of course wedge built my joust deck so <laughs> well, okay then well then mr tony well mr makeoff how did you do <laughs> I was about how to say, was your melee i was about to say dave in still quite good at cards shock but <laughs> turns out turns out he's already right playing cards but still won't build a deck oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you build decks i i do build decks i have deck built that I built myself I Ooh, well done yeah it's just I can't be asked half the time and I don't have time to practice so it's much easier to, for someone to give me something um, or rather I'm too lazy to practice yeah driving out so. the car mate exactly yeah exactly yeah. um I built my first edition deck uh, yeah of. no shit three years ago <laughs> yeah and 
Whammer and Wedge had quite big inputs on it, but... (laughs) (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) Well done. I'm good at draft, though. Well done. I'm good at draft. So there you go. Yeah, you you just hand your cards to the guy next to you and, like, build this deck for me. (laughs) Technically, everyone else at the table builds your deck for you, really, don't they? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well done, mate. Anyway, you did, yeah, you did very well. Yeah. I had um, I had quite a fun day at Melee on the Friday, actually. I really enjoyed them. I, I really hate the idea of the Melee kind of before I get there because I never give a shit about it. <laughs> and I get because, you know, it's all, not that I give much of a shit about the Joust, but I'm always, I never do any prep for the Melee at all, really. I just make sure I've got something that's got 61 cards in it and that I can play. I didn't really do any prep for it. And then I always end up having a much lovelier day than I expect. Out of the four games, I had three quite entertaining games, and then I had one kind of quite bland kind of game at the end. The game at the end was just a game where basically a great job player got out of control and won on the first challenge of turn two. Just one of those. Yeah. You know, not much, ta- not much time to kind of, you know, not much time to chat, not much time to kind of negotiate, not much time to kind of go, oh, we need to stop him doing this because by the time we kind of looked around at the end of turn one, he had like eleven power, and we went, oh. We're not going to be able to do much about this, are we? No, no. Okay then. Well, I can definitely tell you the best, what the most entertaining in quotes was. My first game I played, I played on the table with Kutzlin on, who was a head judge. I turned up, got my deck out, and realised that I had forgotten my house card and my agenda. (laughs) (laughs) So I had sixty-one cards, and to be fair, you could perfectly be entitled when I played a few rounds to still not know that I was playing Night's Watch because it was a Brotherhood deck and pretty much everything I was putting down was neutral. But um, I immediately panicked because we were just about to kick off. And I was like, oh, God, I need to go and oh, I need to try and find a Night's Watch House card, which I did. Somebody let me have a Night's Watch House card. Couldn't find anyone to let me an agenda. So I got a slip of – I tore off a bit of paper. <laughs> I wrote Brotherhood Without Banners, Insight, Renown, Intimidate, Stealth. Stuck that beside my house card and kind of went, is everyone cool with this? <laughs> and I turned around to Kuzlin, who was the head judge of the tournament, and said, "Are you cool with this?" And he went, "Yeah, that's fine." So, <laughs> so I kind of, you know, I got the go-ahead from the head judge, and for the rest of the day, I thought, well, if anyone's going to have any problem with this, I know who to point you to. <laughs> uh, but it turns out that Kuzlin isn't very good at melee, which was particularly funny as well. Although maybe, maybe it was just that game. That was a game where Janice Ropart played a, a Martel Bestow deck which was just a delight to watch work because it was a, that was a game where in the first round there were seven dragon's tails played <laughs> there were three co- three words without wind played as well where everyone was just like yeah take your two cards yeah take your two cards the his deck was a bestow deck so it was just money 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 he'd bought basically a pile of corset kind of cardboard gold tokens to just <laughs> essentially sprinkle over his board as the game went on. <laughs> and as the, you know, as as it kind of as the first round went on, it kind of clicked on me that, you know, what the what the game plan was. At one point he was going to basically get a Doran's game off and claim like sixteen power off of it. Uh, because he had a duped a double duped kind of Ricasso on the board from the very beginning. And I think by turn two it had seven gold on it. Which meant he had <laughs> meant he technically had eight plots in his use pile. So the first card he plays in the beginning of round two is like Secret Schemes, Neil my house card, to draw eight cards. So so everyone, everyone around the table had cards. Everyone around the table had money as well because I opened with trading all the time. 
Uh, everyone was just having a lovely time. It was just kind of, oh, yeah, we'll have some cars. Oh, you have some gold. And by the time we got to the beginning of the second turn, myself, Kutzlin, and uh, our Belgian friend, Floor was at the table as well. We were just all looking at each other going, yeah, he's going to win this, and I don't really think we can stop this. Oh, well, let's watch it happen and, you know, have a good time. And again, the thing about playing Night's Watch Brotherhood is that I never saw anyone else play Night's Watch Brotherhood that day. I'm sure they did, but I didn't see anyone. It's that no one considers you a threat in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Especially when you have a piece of paper as your agenda. <laughs> you are the newbiest, shittiest kind of, I'm playing with these neutral cards. And, you know, it, it, nobody nobody really gives a shit about you if you're sitting at a table with Targ players, Tyrell players, Stark players, all with their kind of big renowned characters. So, you, you know, you just you get out lots of little kind of weenies and you give one of them renown. And, you know, by the time it comes around, you're it comes around to the second round. You've got a few power and you just kind of slowly creep up and it's kind of quite nice. Um, anyway, that, that first game, Janice won that with a with like I think he was on he was on 13 power. And then one with the Doran's game and claimed 14 power off of it. <laughs> he was on 27 power at the end. So when we went to fill out the slip, it was like, hi, do you get 27 divided by one? No, you don't. You get 15. <laughs> you still get points for coming first, right? But it was a delight and everyone was really nice around the table and it was really good. And it was a kind of lovely first game of the first game of the day. Then we moved on to it. And so I came second. Anyway, I miraculously kind of came second. Kutzland had just was, was was just getting shat on by everyone at the table and I just made sure that I had I think I finished on fourteen. Yeah, I finished on fourteen uh power, so you know it doesn't get it only gets one better than that, right? So I was quite happy with my first round performance, kinda of not winning, but getting the best that I possibly could on the table. Then went to the next table and Luis was on that table. So it was like it was an absolute delight to see him. Um but we kind of were all slightly slightly worried we'd get crushed. So it was me, there was Luis, there was James Speck, and there was anonymous Tyrell player. Let's just put it that way. I cannot remember <laughs> who he was. If you if you're listening, I'm very sorry. And that was so a memorable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You weren't the memorable guy at that table, apart from the fact that out of all four players, you're the one who shouldn't have played Valor. <laughs> and, you, and you did. You walked right into Luis's trap. Luis won that game by using everyone else's cards. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, yeah, it's a total bastard, but it was quite delightful. The Tyrell player Valored and went first. Luis was delighted that he'd Valored because he filled up all the dead piles. James Speck had a lovely kind of bulging copy of the Honey Wine with a few power on it. That got stolen by Luis, who was playing Tark Kraken. And then he played out as he went last, the House of the Undying, and nicked my entire dead pile. Ah. Yeah. So, you know, everyone else's cards, he won. It was great. I had a big pile of dead wildlings. Included in those dead wildlings was a copy of Man's Radar. Uh, which he nicked out. Yeah, he nicked out and got around for and kind of stood up with. Yeah, he, he basically got that. It was, again, it was quite a delight to kind of see all the pieces kind of come together and everyone sit around the table and go, you absolute bastard. But also props to to James, who, for me, certainly won the, the non-existent prize of nicest American of the weekend. He he went, at one point, he should have done a two-claim military challenge on me. Certainly, I had two characters on the board looked at me and kind of went, I need to do a two-claim military challenge. And I said, yeah, you don't want to do it on me, though. Look at look at what's happening on the rest of the board. And he kind of went, yeah, okay, I promise I won't do it to you. He then tried to do it on Luis, who redirected it. <laughs> and he then kind of, I, I just kind of looked at him with sad eyes. And said, <laughs> you promised. 
<laughs> and God bless him. He went, you're right, Tony. I promised, and I won't go back on that promise. And subsequently lost the game. <laughs> Naive fool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. God bless him. I, I reminded him of that all weekend. And so again, again, mirac- miraculously, I came second on that table <laughs> as well. So the, it's a long way to get to this particular story. But my third game was the most, quote, memorable of the weekend. Sat down at a table with uh, with Jack Machen, which is a delight to see. He was quite drunk at that point and quite kind of jovial because he was doing OK. With a Filipino player uh, named Jerry, who was a lovely man who was playing a, a start blackfish deck. And with Ben Cotton. My opinion on him will be reserved until the end of the conversation. <laughs> uh, so we sat down. Jack and Ben had been on the same table already in the day. I think they played at the first table. So they kind of knew each other's plots at the very least. So Jack being Jack, like, again, rabbiting on, like the chatty, fucking loud mank that he is. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know what's coming. I know what's coming. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to win this table. Yeah, yeah, you know. He's like, you know, swaggering about. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake, mate. Okay, right, right. No problem at all. So there I must set up. I think I set up Rattle Shirt, which is the first time I'd seen him all day. But Rattle Shirt and a waddling scout and get an ocean rolled out. And I open as I normally do with uh, with trading. And Mitch kind of giggled as he looked over because Ben had opened with naval superiority. And I just kind of went, f-, I just looked at him and I went, you're fucking serious? And Mitch was in stitches because he knew it was coming. Right, so he, you know, he'd opened with plenty or whatever. Jerry, I think Jerry actually had opened Noble Cause, so it kind of screwed him a little bit as well. But he had some, he had, I think he had a bit more economy down, or he had, uh, oh no, of course he had three gold off my fucking Pentosh. <laughs> so I'm sitting there with an ocean road and no money. Ben goes first and was, he was, he just kept kind of looking at me, kind of going, I'm really sorry. You're going to crucify me on the podcast, aren't you? And I said, well, yeah, obviously I am. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm fucking raging. And, and I was, I was absolutely fizzing. And I kind of just sat there and kind of Mitch obviously saw that I was fizzing with rage and just mm-hmm. laughed at me and just I think he just flipped the bird at me at one point. He was just, ah, have you got any money there, Tony? Ah, no money. Oh, what a shame. What are you going to do with that fucking ocean road? Ah, and I was just fizzing. I'm like, my game's over. My game's absolutely over because I had lots of big characters in hand. I think I got a great haul out with my ocean road. And I thought, I'm fucked. Absolutely fucked. What was particularly entertaining is how quickly that game got serious. How quickly Mitch quietened down when he realized, <laughs> yeah, when he realized that he couldn't win as quickly as he thought he could, and suddenly he stopped giggling. And suddenly I got a decent board out when it came to turn two, uh, and there was a there was a particularly amusing duel that hit the table, and we all had a six cost character because Ben had a tine a duped tine sand which was just wrecking. Wrecking everyone, uh, and I had my rattle shirt. He had these Randall, and Jerry had these Blackfish. So the, when the duel came down, there was quite a lot of chat that went on. <laughs> <laughs> so the duel came down, and you know everyone's kind of, you should definitely pick me because I'll do this and this. Oh no, you should definitely pick me. All the all the standard kind of melee stuff, and I somehow managed to talk them out of doing anything to my rattle shirt whatsoever. I'm not quite sure how I did it. I don't think it was out of pure skill and kind of charm or charisma or anything. We managed to convince Mage to kneel Tyne and kill the Blackfish because Jerry's deck was basically built around the Blackfish. And sure, I think he got a fat cat at one point, but if we didn't kill that Blackfish, it was going to absolutely wreck face. And he, and Mage didn't want Tyne standing at all for a round. 
And so my rattle shirt remained kind of unscathed. Went on to, yeah, basically do really well from being navelled kind of first turn. It got to a point where it was my turn. I was going to be followed by Mates, who I think was on 13 power. And then Jerry was about to just let loose on the board. I had a two claim on me and I got to 14, I think. Or yeah, I think I think I got to 13 and went to kind of Mitch. I don't want this to get to Jerry because he's gonna take he's gonna he can't attack you and he's gonna take all his power off me. So I think I'm gonna give you this game because it means I come second. I'm gonna do a challenge that you can basically defend. Uh, get to 15, I'll come second. Which is the only time, the first time I think I've ever done that at a melee table. I don't play melee very often, but the first time I've actually kind of, I guess, king made and actually kind of given it to someone. Uh, and it felt a little bit, I felt a little bit bad for Jerry because he's a Filipino guy and then there's these kind of stupid Brits at the board all kind of like chatting about who's going to make who win, you know. So I ended up giving it to Mage, which felt even worse because he was the one that sat at the table and had gone, haha, where's your fucking gold, Makos? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm the one that gave him the game, right? So yeah, I made, so I made Mage go first. I, I made Mage first at the table and I came second, so that was three second places. And then I came to the last game, last anticlimax of the day, which was uh, again, great job player. I was at a table with Reese as well, and there was very, very little kind of decent kind of banter at the table, and the great job player won. And I was on four power, Reese was on three power, and the other guy was on two power, so I came second again. So, mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I sat down at the table going, kind of you know, it was really nice to get four second places just from a consistency point of view. And the game was over first challenge round two, and I'm like, I've come second again. How the fuck did that happen? <laughs> yes. So I've, I consider myself kind of quite, you know, successful. <laughs> I'd made four second places at the table. But uh, again, a long, long way to answer your question that the most memorable one was that bastard Ben Cotton for just making me fizz with anger. And like properly, I'm like, I'm so unhappy. You've ruined my game. I'm going to sit here for the next fucking half an hour going, it's your fault. I'm doing not doing very well. It's your fault. And subsequently ended up kind of being the person that swung the game to to Mitch and kind of come in second. So, you know, your, your, fortunes, your fortunes turn around at a melee table despite having a dicky Martel player at the table, you know, fucking up your shit. So it was good fun. I enjoyed it, Peel. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I took a red relatively straightforward melee deck it was uh lanny kraken idea was just pillage corpse lake try and trigger corpse lake three times around use general like lanny goodness otherwise use pillage tywin to do tricks with people um i also i like the idea of taking corpse lake to melee because i figured that it's one of those decks that the more people who play it the better it is because if you get someone else at the table doing pillage tricks sure then you get twice as many opportunities to trigger corpse lake, which is nice. And it went okay. It went in that fairly wide range in the Starlight Melee where you feel like you did quite well, but you weren't that close to making the cut. I got two firsts and two seconds. So on the one hand, I was like five points off the cut, but there were so many people who also got two firsts and two seconds, and even some people that got three firsts and didn't make the cut, that I was, you know, I was nowhere close in real terms. My favorite match i got i've got two two of the matches leap out as my favorites the first one will be one of the ones that i won where there were two people who were vying for the win the one who was going like they were going first and second in the round and i was going fourth the person going second marshaled enough stuff that it basically was like okay they will win if it gets to them and also they've put out enough stuff to stop the first guy winning but then between the three of us, we worked out a series of events 
where if the first guy knelt out his board, it would stop the second guy from winning because he had the brotherhood agenda and he could intimidate down the second guy's King Rob's host. And it would mean that he couldn't get the two power swing from that. And that would just about stop him. Mm. And so the first guy was like, okay, as long as neither of you attack me, you know, none, uh, you know, me and the guy going third, as long as neither of you attack me, I'll kneel out. And we were like, yep, yeah, sure. That's a deal. And so he did that. It stopped the guy going second from winning. And then they looked at my board and they were like, wait, how much power do you need to win? <laughs> and at that point I was like, I genuinely don't know. I haven't counted. And it turned out that I, the amount of power I needed to win was the amount of power that I could get. Uh, <laughs> and I, I assumed that I couldn't win. I was assuming one of those two was going to win. And if not, you know, I'll get within striking distance and then go Clash of Kings next round and just try and close from going first. But no, it turned out I had exactly enough to uh, to close it out in that challenger's face uh, from nowhere. So that was good fun. The other game that leaps out as my favourite is the first game of the day. I was on the same table as Josh. The main thing that leaps out from me from that one is the fact that I finished ahead of Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Which, for anyone who knows our records against each other in uh, competitive thrones, it's it's special for me to finish ahead of Josh. It it, it doesn't happen. It never happens. <laughs> the amount of times I've heard Josh go, oh, I'm 2-0, and now I've got the bye. <laughs> Just you walking sadly to your table. <laughs> the worst one was on the Sunday of the weekender when Josh was so convinced that he was going to lose to me that he was genuinely considering dropping at 2-0 so that he could keep his undefeated streak against me. And in the end, he decided that it wasn't worth dropping over. And so he played me, and then he beat me. Oh. So, yeah, when I saw Josh was on the same table as me, it's like, well, I'm not winning this one. And I didn't win that one, but I at least finished second with Josh finishing third. And then my least favorite game of the day would be uh, the first game when I had Josh at my table. Because <laughs> it meant that I had no chance of winning. Because Josh was going to make sure he dicked me over. Because, of course, he was. I'd have been disappointed in him if he hadn't. And it happened that I was going to be uh, going first and pushing for the win. And he flipped unexpected delay, uh, which bounced my board. Classic Josh. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that marooned me in second. And another note of that table was that I played out Bron uh, on the last on that last round. And he, I think, changed control five times. <laughs> so, yeah, my melee was fairly straightforward. Two respect seconds, two <laughs> wins. Uh, I actually genuinely can't remember anything about one of the wins, which I don't know what that says. Probably that I'm a bad person. Did you win twice? Sorry, you won twice in the melee? Yeah. And you didn't make the cut? The melee cut is so, so harsh. I was going to say, like, the, the winning twice in melee, that's... It's it's always been three wins. Sam, Samuel Linda, was he won the first three rounds of melee and still didn't make the cut because he just crashed out in round four and he ended up finishing 17th. Oh, shit. Brutal. Yeah. You needed 47 points to make the cut and then you still might miss on strength of schedule. Yeah, a couple of 47s missed on strength of schedule. So, mm. yeah. Well, you've done well on the Thursday. Well, you all did quite well. I presume you all went out on the Friday as well after the melee. I got like nine hours sleep between Wednesday so and Wednesday. So that's a yes. What was the most eventful activity you saw in the evening? Because I want to know the evening is going to go dark quickly. 
I say darkest. I don't want to say darkest, but at the same time, you know what I mean. Event that you witnessed. My favourite was the letters. What was the score with the letters? <laughs> so, over lunch, I overheard Gabby's table talking, and she said that like everyone had chipped in for something, and she said, we've got enough to buy groceries mm-hmm. left over from the change. And I said, well, can you get mine, please? Just make sure you get me a lettuce. And she did buy me a lettuce. <laughs> uh, so I was just like, what the fuck do I do with this fucking lettuce? Because I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to just leave it in the hotel room. So I took it up to the castle on the first night. And I tried to give it to Jiku, um, but he was an ungrateful Polish man, and he didn't want my lettuce. So I walked in, and I saw the Americans, and I was just like, there is no way the Americans are going to spurn my gift. And I spotted uh, Alex Esposito, and I was just like, he is, he is definitely not going to spurn my gift. So I just gave it to him and said, this is a gift from the Brits. <laughs> Enjoy it, and do with it what you will. And he just looked so stunned at this lettuce. <laughs> just like, okay, thank you. <laughs> Uh, I was like, you can do what, do what you like with it. You could give it to another American, you give it to another country, whatever. But uh, it's not my problem now. <laughs> and so there's a great picture of him just looking confused at this lettuce. Uh, but what in the end happened was that it, each country would try and gift it to another country. Um, and then there's just some pictures of like uh, Alchemista in the um, cafe just holding it aloft like some sort of deity. Because apparently it got out of hand, but I missed most of that. <laughs> so I just got rid of it and went straight to the bar. While everyone else passed it round and was like, lettuce! Certainly no one tried to thrust the lettuce on any Scots, because anyone worldwide knows that the Scots spurn vegetables in general, and that they wouldn't have accepted it. So, yeah, didn't see much of the lettuce, apart from the odd kind of beef on the floor. I think when we got up to the castle, somebody mentioned something about the lettuce, and if you get if you get given a lettuce, then make sure you pass it on to someone of another country. And as Scots, we all looked at each other and went, a what? <laughs> So it didn't it didn't really affect us at all. Yeah. It was another side event that we weren't included in. <laughs> it's hard to like pick highlights from the evenings because when I was leaving Starlight, I was like, I need to talk about this, I need to talk about this, I need to talk about this. When I get home I'm gonna write a list of all the things I need to talk about and then I promptly forgot basically everything that happened over the weekend. Yep. So inevitably there are so many stories that I should tell that I can't because I don't remember them mm. anymore. Um, but I'm sure they'll gradually come back to me over the next year and you can maybe have a highlight every week of something that happened. <laughs> <at Starlight. laughs> I remember this. Like when I got there this week, I saw Chewie and I was like, oh, it's so good to see you. And he's just like, yeah, good to see you too, man. Make sure you don't fall down the hill this year. I was like, I didn't fall down the... Oh, I did. <laughs> I did fall down the hill last year. <laughs> and I'd completely forgotten it for an this entire year. This links very, very kind of directly to people asking what, was the darkest event that took place. Okay. Uh, dark in a, dark in a kind of we, in, in a dark way. Dark in a fun way. In, no, no, in, dark in a fun way. It was to do with the game. We yeah. played, we had a game, no, I'm trying to remember if it was Saturday or Sunday night, because who knows, it all blurs into one. I think it might have been Sunday night, and the cafe tends to be a little bit quieter on Sunday night, because a lot of the kind of mainland European guys have maybe gone home in the afternoon. The cafe tended to be full of Brits and Americans uh, and various, you know, various others. It's a kind of generalisation. But there was a good few games of uh, Secret Hitler. And I played a game of Secret Hitler with a nicely kind of like multicultural and kind of multinational kind of table. There was 10 or 11 of us. There was um, there were Americans, there were Dutch, there were Scots, there were Austrians, there were, uh, were English. In this game of Secret Hitler, the Hitler turned out to be the only German guy at the table. <laughs> <laughs> which if we'd really thought about it, we would have won that game very, very quickly. 
But as is, you know, we thought there's no way, there's no way the German guy who's who's kind of pleading innocent through the whole game will be Hitler. Nah, turns out he was Hitler, so we had to shoot him in the head. So it kind of felt so. Props to Christoph Erzi because he was a very clever, very conniving Hitler, and was able to, was able was able to play off our general guilt at the table. <laughs> there's no way we would, you know, no one wanted to make any Hitler jokes in a German castle playing secret Hitler with a German at the table. <laughs> no one ever no one wanted to go ha ha it's probably you then mate <laughs> and as it, as it did turn out to be him um, but thankfully <laughs> history prevailed and he lost and got shot in the head so you know, so, you know there was an element that was slightly dark but that was within the context of the game and it was a perfectly friendly game but yeah fuck you Hitler I was going to ask as well more to the point um, all three of you again and also James your, your Friday night and evening experiences what was like the best because every year I went I always discovered like a new board game which I'd never heard of or ever played in my life and then all of a sudden I'd be sat down just playing this board game I remember the one where you had to do various commands like put your hand on the table and things like that and then oh, rub yeah. someone's knee and it was just like what the hell and you've got to do all this while it's your turn um, or constantly and things like that and it, it got out of hand and I also remember the submarine one but what was kind of like your three's best newly discovered board game other than Secret Hitler, which I'm going to have to buy. I'd say my favourite is one that, I think it was yours, your game actually, Tony, wasn't it? Yours or Helen's? Where one of you is has to have a face mask on, so you can't see anything. And then... <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. Like you, There were words you had to say, and some of you had to say the correct... Like You couldn't... The person who had the mask on had to guess a word. And everyone else would say a word that wasn't that word to try to like make the other person get it through word association, except that a couple of the people around the table were trying to make them say the wrong word. It's one of those games where it was really good fun to play. I was absolutely terrible at it because what I found myself doing was saying words that made the other people who knew what the word was go, oh, yeah, I see what you're doing there. And. The person who actually had to try and guess the word was like, well, what the hell? <laughs> um, I remember on one of them, the word that had to be guessed was snow. Uh, and so I said informer, which is, a, you know, quite a nice clue if you already know the word. But if you already know the word, you kind of don't need the clue. And if <laughs> you do need the clue, then it's completely useless. Yeah, see, I have no idea what Essentially, you're kind of like showing off to the table it was quite funny <laughs> yeah but not intentionally i was just no, bad of course, at it. of course not it's a game called when i dream when i dream that was it. And yeah, yeah. And my favorite moment of that was when i was one of the people who had to give incorrect words bless him it was sam wilson who had the mask on and everyone was giving good clue after good clue after good clue and then it came to me and i had to come up with a word to throw him off the scent and i panicked um and said spongebob and instinctively, Sam immediately blurted out square pants, which obviously wasn't <laughs> It's good, yeah. It's good. It's good fun. I mean, we played like a like a ten. It's a game you can play like ten players with, and you know, yeah. nine of you sit around a table. One of you's got a sleep mask on, and uh, and yeah, you've all got to kind of give clues to stuff, and etc. As 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 Wana said, and you yeah, you discovered that some people were very good at kind of giving clues, and then when it came to their go, they were absolutely terrible at listening to people and kind of giving clues, and some people just instantly reacted and. Uh, who did we find out? We found out it was Andrew, uh, Scottish Andrew, ended up being really fucking good at it somehow. 
Um, but he was absolutely awful at giving clues. But it came when it came to his goal, he was actually properly listening and kind of, uh, yeah, that that was good fun. We kind of went out of the cafe and kind of sat nine people around the table and all shouted at each other for two minutes. Um, yeah. That that was the, the yeah that was the new board game I guess played this year as when Captain Sonar was kind of the year before and the year before that. Well, I think it's in a bind that you're talking about appeal. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. Yeah. yeah, all of you are like doing stuff. That's the one. Yeah, a, it, it definitely is. Definitely it? in a bind. Yeah, but yeah, when I when I dream was really good fun, and see, yeah, that's it. Secret Hill was kind of all very good on a Sunday, but that was uh, that was our kind of. I think we played that on Thursday night, Thursday, maybe Friday night. But uh, yeah, that was good fun. People kept walking by, kind of going, "Can I play next?" Which is a decent kind of gauge of you know, uh, you know what looks like a decent game when people kind of seem to be quite enthusiastic about joining in. So yeah. so yeah, that was that was good fun. I don't think I actually played any new board games this year. I'm not actually sure if I played any games except for Thrones. Oh, mm-hmm. as awful as that sounds, because I tend to flit around a lot while people play games. Mm. Um, I like to observe, and then I like to go and check out the cut and that kind of thing. And this year, I was playing in the melee cut, and I was judging the joust cut, so I didn't get to play for a lot of that. By that point, people tend to, you know, by the time that's finished, people tend to just be drinking and not really playing so much. So yeah, I also hate games like Resistance and stuff because it stresses me mm. out. Especially as you know, um, obviously in Resistance, the baddies are actually the good guys because the goodies are terrorists. So you know that. Is that this you going to be talking about how the Imperial Empire are the good guys in Star Wars again, Dave? <laughs> well, yeah, again. <laughs> Don't get me on my soapbox, father. <laughs> um, but. I will say that this weekend I have played two new games. So I'll mention them. One is Pandemic Legacy Season 2, which is probably not quite as amazing as the first one, but the new mechanics are brilliant. And it is if you like the first one, 100% get it. Agreed. Um, it, it is brilliant. Um, I'm about halfway through. I think we just finished June. Uh, we're finding it a lot more difficult than the last one. Part of that, I think, is because we're it's two, two of us playing four characters instead of two of us playing two characters, which naturally makes it a bit harder. Um, with my friend's wife uh, reading the legacy cards for us in between doing her own thing. She likes she likes the story, but she hates playing cooperative games with us because we take control. <laughs> so uh, that was fun. And I also played Spirit Island. Oh, nice. Ooh. I don't know if you've heard about that. Um, apparently it's impossible to get hold of, but it's yeah a cooperative game, because we love them, where you play the spirits and gods of an island and you have to murder all the settlers. And that is a lot of fun. So when it gets back into print, I recommend you all try that out because it is it's well worth it. And of course, I, I rediscovered my love for melee, which had which left me uh, about two years ago. But now I think it's in a nice place again. I was going to say you hated melee. In fact, I, I I didn't hate melee. You I did. just can't be asked to play it most of the time. Um, I loved melee in first edition, like towards the end, because the card pool was in a really nice With place. With melee, I think the restricted list made a good. It, it made a positive impact on the experience. I think. And I've always said, like, I like melee if it's people that want to play melee. They want to play melee to play melee, not just to piss people off. Yeah. They have melee decks. Then those two things, yeah, yeah, it's nice people wanting to play melee, playing melee decks. That is a good experience. Mm. If you take any one of those things away, it becomes a shame. I mean, you took the nice people off, let's be fair. Yeah, um, if you take, like, melee decks away... Or if you have an asshole at your table, it becomes a shit experience. Which is why I never play melee because I never have a melee deck built. So I'll, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing more than just my usual, uh, you know, four or five games. I think that yeah, the restricted list was. 
I don't think anyone would kind of deny the restrictor list made a fairly big impact and a fairly big positive impact as well. If anything, just sitting at a table and kind of going through going through around and still trying to figure out what people's restricted cars were. You know, they'd flip the second plot and you'd be like, well, okay, okay, so they've not flipped spikes, they've not flipped kings, I haven't seen a superior claim in their hand yet. I haven't seen them play the Donishman's wife. Oh God, you know what's coming next? And then suddenly, you know, you'd see all three of their fucking all men are fools or something or whatever. But but you know, all <laughs> around the table, kind of going, we know you're restricted. We don't know yours. We know yours, right? And then someone go, what's yours? And you go, well, I don't know if I can tell you. And then flip like kind of you know get to fourteen power that kind of thing. Um, so there was another extra ge- extra guessing game at the table, kind of as well, which was uh, and a guessing game that kind of gave an extra level of kind of well we know with you know if he's played that so we can't have that and he can't have that and he can't have that which kind of helped with your negotiations sometimes that you could kind of you know use that information to your to your advantage so no really no really enjoyed very much enjoyed that and enjoyed that while my don't think many of my games went past three plots most games were at least went to you know round about three or maybe four plots and there were very few kind of turn one wins or any of that stuff so it kind of made i think it makes it a healthier game definitely on that restricted card note, uh, firstly, we've got proper deck lists back. Yeah. So I was playing Targ, Rose, Clash. Yeah. It's, a proper it's deck so nice to be able to say House Agenda Restricted, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's natural. Yaha! And secondly, uh, in, in my first game, we did the whole, uh, who's everyone, what's everyone's restricted card? And it's like, well, I've just flipped Clash, so mine is Clash. Yeah. Um, and they looked at Ryback and they was like, well, we haven't seen your restricted card. And he just pointed at River on his table. And I went, oh fuck! Um, I built Hammers' deck for him, and it has River Run in it as well as Fast Eddie. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah. So um, I had to, yeah, run home, get some spare cards, and uh, explain to Wolfgang because, yeah, at that point, I was just like, I'm gonna find Wolfgang and explain nicely to him, not like Kuzlin or Yannick or anyone. I think Wolfgang will understand this better. Take all the blame, and then, uh, yeah, he just said, turn them backwards. He hadn't won his table, so... It was, there was a couple of people that got shafted by the restricted list as well that it turned up and kind of went, restricted? What? And like, I can't fucking remember who it was, but it was a great job player that had to, that had basically the equivalent of seven restricted cards in their deck. When they started playing, you know, they played out their Great Kraken, which is restricted, and then they played a superior claim and, some, and the, the table went, ah, ah, you can't do that. So basically, the, the superior claims and every other restricted card in his deck got blanked. And the Great Kraken was the one he was stuck with for the rest of the day. So essentially his restricted card became the first one that he played that day, which by his own admission wouldn't have been the Great Kraken if he had a choice, right? He'd probably yeah. have picked Rise or he'd have picked Superior Claim or whatever. But he got stuck with the Great Kraken, stuck with three blank cards in his hand, stuck with at least, one, I think, two blank plots because he had Clash of Kings and, uh, and Rise of the Kraken. This is like a weird evolution of Mage's... House of Dreams Exodia deck, where you just shuffle out all your restricted cards at the yeah. start of the game and get your opponent to pick which one isn't blank this round. You can just you just get them blank if you don't have to remove them necessarily. Well, you, if you remove them, you probably won't have a legal test. Oh. Um, and you can't swap them because that gives you an advantage. So they just blank the card. Happened to Craven in... Um, 2015 at National, oh, sure, yeah, where he, he had one card wrong on his deck list. Yeah, that was a. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember. He didn't see it in the game that he got knocked out in. So. But am I right in, say, I'm right in saying that if you flip a blank plot, you've got zero gold, zero initiative, zero claim, and zero reserve? Yeah. I, I want to. Is it zero reserve? I want to say it's. Oh, is it? Okay. 
Either either way, you probably wouldn't want to flip it. Yeah, no. I mean, at least you yeah. get the option. But the idea of accident of you know getting to like turn turn six or something and going, I've got no chance. But to if we get it. one of those cards from first edition back where you have to pick your next plot at random, huh. it's, <laughs> oh for fuck's sake! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it may also have one claim. In, in fact, now you mention it, but I don't think I think it is one claim would be a bit better, I suppose. Anyway, uh, on to the Saturday, which was the main event. That's right, the big one. The uh, well, I say the main event, the main main, the big advertised event. I'm still concerned about seating, if I'm honest. I still can't picture you all sitting in that hall on the Saturday. So what I want to know from one of you is how the hell they arrange the seating. Whammer, you got the chance to sit at top table, so it's probably you that <laughs> covers. I never oh, okay. was on the stage. Top table was on the stage, obviously. Right, okay. But also on really shitty tables. Right. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't have enough good tables, uh, which is fair because you know they had needed so many. But for some reason, they decided to put all the shitty tables as the top tables that all of the you know the players who were undefeated and stuff would end up on, and all of the players who were you know there more for the drink and banter than the serious competitive playing were just you know drowning in space on the lower tables, which <laughs> is interesting. And they also while you're on the stage. You couldn't see the projector with how much time was left on the round. Right. Which, as someone who was playing a wall defense deck, I kind of needed to know how much time was left on the round a lot of the time. Um, yeah. it, it took until like round four when I moved far enough along the stage to actually be able to see the projector if I craned my head, which was interesting. But yeah, that, that's basically how they did it. I think it was the top 25 or so tables, maybe slightly more, were on the stage. And then they crammed another row of tables into the main, you know, the floor space. Right. Okay. So you, you basically had to turn two dimensional to be able to get down the aisles. So they weren't kind of going into the the bathroom like just yeah, there wasn't a secret because I thought there might be like a secret room underneath. I thought ah, oh, there must be other space because um, I know they were putting them on the balcony last year, which is apparently weird enough. But that was a, the right at the bottom. If you were if you were right down there. Got to sit on the balcony and watch everyone better than you playing below, which is, I suppose, in some way, a really nice feeling. They did, yeah, they, they did do that last year. They had folk on the mezzanine, like the bottom, bottom tables were on the mezzanine. But it's funny you should say that about the secret room, Peter, right? Because, uh, and I'm not going to say we found the secret room, but on the Sunday, which we should get to when we played the first edition down in the town hall, which was lovely being yeah. in a, it's lovely being in a town hall on the Sunday because it's like three quarters empty. And you get to kind of uh, you get to walk around and kind of do what you like, and it's it's quite kind of quiet apart from the odd shout and much and more here and there. The the one of the things and uh, Helen reminded me that it was the same thing last year, is that somewhere in that town hall building there was a band rehearsing. Right. right? Yep. There was a band rehearsing in there, and the, and Helen reminded me that there was a band rehearsing on the Sunday the year before as well. And we're standing out, so standing out having a fag, and you can basically hear the sound of drums and, and well, pretty much just the sound of drums. Maybe it was just a yeah. drum coming from somewhere. And we stood outside and we looked at the building and went, where the fuck in the <laughs> could a band be rehearsing? But it's definitely, I mean, the town hall isn't attached to anywhere, right? Yeah, there's, there's simply, there's no, um, there's no upstairs to the town hall. There's the mezzanine bit. And then there's the toilets and the coat room bit downstairs. Maybe there's a door down there that leads to somewhere. But somewhere in that building, there was a band rehearsing. And therefore, there's another room in that building that we don't know about. But they okay. chose to use the stage instead. So a secret room exists. 
There is a tunnel underneath the building. Is there? Yeah, if you know where the smoking area is, and there's like that big paved the bit patio. That you yeah. can kind of walk out. Yeah, yeah, the bottom patio. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Under there, there's a tunnel. Because as I was um, doing first edition on the, on the first day, I was waiting for more people to on the last day, waiting for more people to arrive, and you could see people walking and then just turning and going underneath the building, and you're just like, oh, so maybe there's um, there's a room down there that's through the tunnel. There's another room, like the other side of the cloakroom, because obviously the cloakroom doesn't go that far that far that back. Don't know what else there is to say about the view from the top tables. Yeah. Did you not feel like above everyone else up there, like a little bit of a yeah? I mean, in in a literal sense, yes. But no, you, you're just so cramped in there that you, you, all you're thinking about is, you know, making sure that you're not breathing someone else's arm or something. Mm. It's also it's also very difficult to feel superior when you're playing Night's Watch Builder. This is also true. <laughs> Although I, I was pleased by how many times I got to say I triggered the gift. Yeah, we tried to figure out roughly how many times you must have said that over the weekend. I think we got to like... I think we estimated it must have been in the region of about 175, 180 times. Yeah. <laughs> God. How awful. So on the main day, anyway, events. How did you do with the uh, the whole uh, joust experience? Because the melee, I think, fair fight. Everyone put in a relatively good push. Twenty second each time. Well, you know, this is, it's, I personally have always been crap at melee, um, mostly because I was either giving everyone cards last time I played. Or had a very dominant board-looking um, sense because I was playing uh, Black Sails, so I could just get out what I wanted and play too many big cards too early on. And I got stumps uh, on the joust, though. How did everyone do on the joust? Tell us all how it went down. What was your favourite play? And what was the toughest deck you came up against? Starting with Dave. Okay. I finished the day 4-4, so evens. Uh, not my best Starlock but my joint worst. I, I was playing Gradual Crossing, as I discussed earlier. My first game, I played against Lynn from Singapore. At the beginning of the game, she was like, I'm not very good at Thrones. I'll, you'll probably just beat me straight away. And uh, I had, obviously, Gradual Crossing against Lanny Reigns. You know, it's a, it should be a decent matchup. It's not certainly not awful by any means. Um, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm reasonably confident. I've been having good success with this deck. It should be fine. And then she absolutely rolled. <laughs> like... I don't think I, like, I haven't been beaten that bad in a long time. This is like um, one claim set, one one card set up against kids, like six two claim plots kind of uh, <laughs> rolling. It was it was brutal. So uh, turn one, she has uh, Harren Hall and Tower of the Hand. Oh. Like fuck's sake, I'm gonna have to deal with this. So I try and you know she pops Tywin into play. She's gonna bounce my Victorian. So I'm gonna I nightmares the Tower of the Hand. She's got the Hand's Judgment. I was like, oh fuck's sake. I was like, okay, that's fine. And then next, first snow of winter, and I've only got Euron on the table. It's like, oh, right, he's going to get marched. So he gets marched, and by that point, it's just all over. <laughs> um, it was just just nothing I could do. It was just horrendous. But she was lovely, so that was fun. Uh, <laughs> got some nice... It's always nice being um, beaten and a nice about it. It, it is, yeah. you're right, yeah. Um I went on to play uh, three or four Brits in a row then. <laughs> I played uh, Matt, Matt Slade playing his um, his Tokar deck, where he makes like little Voltron Dannys and little Voltron Drogos, which is just so much fun to play against, and just so ridiculous, because it does get to the point where you're just like, well, if I make any type of challenge, Danny defends it and stands. <laughs> so that's no fun for anybody. <laughs> and she's like 100 strength. 
But I, I managed to uh, pull that one out of the bag, so that was good. Uh, I wanted to play Joel Pearson, who was also playing Lanny Reigns. And he beat me, Ooh. which was frustrating. <laughs> but I got to 13 in that game. So I was like, it's so close. Yeah, so far. I had Theon. Uh, uh, not Theon. I had um, Balon, I think, going into the last round on my Rise of the Kraken turn. Whatever. And I was just like, uh, whatever it was, it's like, as long as he doesn't top deck Tywin, I'm fine. And of course, he's a Lannister player, so he top decks Tywin. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. Wouldn't be a Lannister deck without it. Top deck. Yeah. And, oh, I hate him. I then, uh, I then played against Matt Chandler. That's a quite a funny story I just, I've just remembered from the Thursday of Starlight. So I was chatting to Richard Walker. Um, I can't remember what, what happened, but I said, there's plenty of people here that I'm aware of, but I've never actually met. And it would be quite exciting to meet some of them. For example, I've never met Matt Chandler, but he always posts on the banter like comments. He's always commenting on our stuff, and he's always on the Facebook group. And then he just walked into the circle and was like, hello, nice to meet you. And he had just been, he had just been walking past. And I was just like, well, that's fucking creepy. <laughs> so I chatted to him for half an hour uh, and then went off to get a beer or something. And I was telling the, the Belgians about this. And I was like, and then, and then he just walked up and he just walked up again. And I was just like, why are you stalking me? You're so weird. But he was lovely. It's a good job um, you haven't and seen then I him following up. you for like the previous four hours, just constantly <laughs> just in the corner of your eye. He's like, he's going to mention me at one point, even though we've never I'm going to be so ready to step in. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was weird, and then yeah, I gave him a spanking in the uh, in the joust. It was one of those ones where you just like you have to apologise. Much like that first game, it was just it was over by first challenge turn two, just brutal. I, I forget exactly what happened from there. Um, I played a Lannister Banner Wolf deck, and again I got to thirteen power, and it was horrible because in that game my my Euron got milked turn one. My Iron Mines got frozen solid to turn one. I didn't manage to claim a single renowned power. Uh, I attacked with my Asher, hmm. and she got podricked. And then I tried to risen her, and he had the hands judgment. I tried to risen her again, and he had the hands judgment. I was like, oh my god, this is just awful. And I still got to thirteen with no renown in a rush deck. <laughs> I was like, for fuck's sake! And it went like six plots. But that was that was fun. And all my games were great. Like, as I say, of, of my losses, I think, yeah, one was an absolute smash, uh, pa- like, pasting. Two, I got to 13 and stalled. And the other one was just a nice back and forth with uh, Brainu mm. from uh, France, who I believe is responsible for the Hyper Viper deck, or certainly had a big hand in the second version of it or whatever. Uh, he was really nice, and he was playing, like, a, uh, a Blood Riders jumper deck, um, which was really fun and interactive to play against. Uh, but it was just slightly faster than my deck. And uh, again, first Nova Inter really ruined my day, which was sad. Yeah, and and I would shout out to Junus as well from Belgium because uh, we had a lovely little game uh, against his Martel Wolf, uh, which well, I had a great game. He had less good of a game. Um, <laughs> but he they, they bought us some beer, like they said they would from, that, uh, from Aww, our last episode. Did they bring us any um, mango beer? Why would they bring us that? Jack, that's a yeah, that's but a I, I just kind of want it all the time. I just it's I assume it's everyone has beer. mangoes and everything now. It the, no other country does cider like that, Peel. I will find a country that does cider like that. <laughs> yeah, England is the country. <laughs> You're in it. If you you can have some in like a month and four days at Jack's house. <laughs> they didn't bring any because it's a British drink. Okay. <laughs> 
but they did bring the lovely other fruit beers and a, and a number of other nice uh, beers that we drank so that was Good. that was nice of them so yeah that was that was my joust um disappointing 4-4 but i had a lovely day anyway Good. and that's what's important and for you tony how was your day because i need to i need to do a detailed one on on whammer i need to find out what it's had no worries, mine won't take long, mate, don't worry. <laughs> I, um, I had a reasonably disappointing day. Uh, I ended up 3-5, uh, not through lack of trying, believe me, but and as I've already mentioned, most of my games went very close to time because I was playing Night's Watch. Now, what tended to happen were the games that I was doing well in were the ones that went to time. You know, you know you're doing well when you're pissing off the other player. They've got they've got their head in their hands and they're trying to figure out how to get a challenge through. Hooray! Good old nice watch. But it was nice watch range, so it was the other single reason I was playing it was uh, it was quite a good deck. I, I had fun playing it. It did some challenges. It won some stuff. It flipped into other plots. It pissed off the other player. If you got the wall out as well, that was kind of a bonus, but not 100% necessary. All that kind of stuff. I can't remember the order of everything that I kind of played, but I. Opened the day playing against Joe Zimmer, uh, who was playing Tyrell Reigns against me. And the last game that I had played with that deck in testing, again, in, in quotes, the on the on the Wednesday, is I played against Matt Edelman with a very similar Tyrell Reigns deck, and it had beaten me in a, quite a long game. So Joe pretty reasonably comprehensively kind of beat me. I think it went to about five, four or five plots, but I, I kind of figured he was going to take it. I played, I didn't get overly heavily Tyrelled that day. Apart from obviously I played Tyrell Reigns, but I didn't get maced at all that day. I don't think I played a single deck that had Mace Tyrell in the high tower in it. So I didn't get any of that kind of jumping things in and jumping things out and claiming passive power and all that kind of stuff. Although I was overheating a lot of people that would get really pissed off at playing against Mace decks. But um I did play against two Tyrell crossing decks. Uh, and bear in mind the amount of rush that I was kind of expecting to see that day. What I was particularly entertained with was Tyrell Crossing was no problem whatsoever to beat. Because, certainly with the deck I was playing, once you slow Tyrell Crossing down to a crawl and you realize, and they realise they haven't won by turn three, they're kind of a bit stuck and they get a bit annoyed that they can't really squeeze a challenge through. Once you get a kind of board up and they haven't claimed their crossing for their in their second plot, they haven't claimed their crossing power from the second plot. Uh, yeah, two, two games, I think, in a row, which kind of gave me a certain amount of... Uh, you know, I was kind of, oh, I'm, I'm onto something here. More more Tyrell I play, I'm kind of getting better at it. And uh, one of the games I played, I forgot to trigger the wall twice and I still beat him. So, <laughs> yeah, I kind of looked down and went, oh, yeah, the wall. Hmm. I'm a shit Night's Watch player. Uh, so I managed to get off, uh, beat a couple of uh, Tyrell Crossing uh, decks. Uh, the other games I got beaten in, kind of really disappointingly, were by, like, really kind of standard 2.0 decks. Like, I got beaten by a Lanny deck. Oh, no, it was a Lanny Wolf, right? But there wasn't much Wolf in it. And it was <laughs> literally, this. it was like it was 2016. It was, get big boys out, dupe the shit out of it. Can't do much about that, can you? Oh, and I've got some treacheries if you want to do anything. Uh, and that kind of walked all over me to the point that, that, which really frustrated me because it just felt like it was 12 months ago and Valor hadn't come out and, and oh, I've been 2 point owed by a big boys deck. Oh, for God's sake. And I couldn't really do anything against it. And he got all the renown and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, great, I'm getting lannied. And it's 2017. But there were a lot of people getting lannied. You know, I overheard quite a lot of that as well. I also played uh, Jonas, our lovely Belgian friend, who, God damn it, wiped the floor with me because he just kept taking all my icons and he got all the right stuff. He was really, he, he kind of sat down at the table and he was really depressed because he'd just been thumped in a game. But he, but he was kind of like, oh, it's good to see you. And I said, yeah, it's good to see you as well. 
and we sat down, we were having a chat, and I said, uh, I kind of looked at his kind of deck and went, hmm, I haven't had much of a chance to test against kind of the stuff. This might go your way. And slowly over the space of the next three rounds, his energy and his pep kind of came back, and the colour came back into his face, and he was a little, a lot less depressed as he slowly but surely crushed me under his fucking boot. So by the end of that game, I'm like, well, I, I hope I, I hope I've cheered you up. And he was kind of like, yeah, do you know what? You have. You have. Thanks very much. It was a really good game. I'm like, yeah, fuck you. Hey. <laughs> Oh, but also thank you very much for the beers, you know. So yeah, that's just a quick aside. Thanks for the fruit beers, Jonas and Floor. They were fantastic, and and yeah, please do that every year. God damn it, you lovely Belgian. <laughs> yeah. So I also got th- who else do I get thumped by? God no. Uh, yeah, I got thumped by the Lanny Wolf, thumped by Marta Wolf, uh, thumped by Taro. Uh, there's probably one I'm missing. Um, but again, to the last game of the day. Which, but I think the last game of the day I was on like two five, and I'm like, fuck, this really hasn't worked out well at all. So, by the time it gets to two five, they started dishing the hats out. People, you, yeah, you might not be aware of this, people, but you know how at the last round you get your participation prizes, right? Because, yes, because you've lasted seven or eight rounds and you're probably half cut and you're still in the hall and you're still playing. <laughs> yes, and if you're on the end tables, then oh, you know, you know, condescending pat on the head, well done for still being here, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so all the prizes came out this year. They gave everyone a hat. A judge's hat? No, no. Oh, a, lo- a lovely kind of coloured Game of Thrones faction hat with like house wards ish kind of esque kind of on the front of them. Was it? So so you're so you're not playing so you're not playing cards. You're in like first or second plot, and they come around and then they plop a couple of hats on the table. So everyone's going to go, oh great, we've all got hats. So everyone puts a base like baseball caps. They were. All oh, right, okay. You know, you know, yellow kind of Baratheon ones and red Lanny ones and all that. So we all we all got our hats, and I was I, I was playing my last game, and you know, every, basically everyone put that hat on. You could have looked across the hall, and basically suddenly everyone was wearing a colourful baseball cap. It was very it was very nice. And I put my last game against a Greyjoy player, and thought, oh, this is going to rush the shit out of me. And as always happens in the games that you don't need it to happen, I basically had the perfect game. Now, whether that was to do with my opponent playing much worse than me, I don't know. But, yeah, why can't you have the perfect game when you're, like, in round three of the fucking Swiss rather than round eight? I just had a, just had an absolutely... Everything my everything I thought my deck could do, did. All the kind of one-offs that I put in the deck just in case they would they would come off, popped up that game, and I'm like, oh, absolutely perfect. And the, the, my, my, my favourite play of the day wasn't overly spectacular, but... I had put a copy of Yorin in the deck just to just in case I drew it and it would kind of annoy Targ players and nick their second sons and, you know, do some discard pile shenanigans. And I drew I, I was playing against this great job player who was doing a lot of flea bottom salt wife type shenanigans where he would discard a salt wife so you can defend with something, flea bottom it back in, do it again, that kind of thing. And he had done that with a salt wife kind of first like in first turn. He then flipped into first snow of winter, which kind of annoyed my board a little bit. That was when I drew into Yorin. So pop Yorin out, get his salt wife out of the discard pile, pop it on my side, and then of course when it came to first snow, it bounced it back to hand, and he kind of looked at me and went, "Oh yeah, that's quite annoying." And he only ended up with one character left on the board after he's fucking first snow, and he had nothing in his discard pile to bring in. So I subsequently thumped him. <laughs> in round eight, that doesn't really fucking matter, does it? So ended up three five, and then at the end of the joust, we you know we're kind of okay three five. The uh, the CHG started. The collectible hat game began. We all basically people started trading hats because everyone kind of stood up after the last game and kind of went, yeah, I got given a kind of yellow barrow hat. Do you fancy swapping your Lanny hat? No, I don't really want a Lanny hat. I could do with a nice watch hat. I'll tell you what, 
I'll get you a night's watch hat if you get me that. So that began. Certainly in our end of the hall, there was lots of you go and yeah, you go and fetch me a night's watch hat, and I'll trade you this off for the Lanny hat. And so the people were kind of got. I got one of these. I got two of these. You know, got got need need got. got. (laughs) (laughs) So there was a lovely hat trading game that kind of you know existed for like at the the very end of the day, and kind of once the whole the the whole joust was finished, which I thought was delightful, and we all got our participation prizes. So yeah, joust was all right. And I played I had a couple of good games and mostly a bunch of shit games. And well done to everyone that I played for wiping, uh, thumping the shit out of me. Oh, I've remembered the important one, which going off of what they've said already, I played Lim Lim Hong from the Silent Sisters. Uh, I got to play one of the one of the Singaporeans, and she was absolutely lovely. But uh, and, and we kind of uh, bonded a little bit because she was a Brathian player. But of course, I was playing Night's Watch, and she was playing Barra Kraken, and yeah, I didn't really have a chance. The the there wasn't much Baratheon in the hall at all. Uh, really, there was very little Baratheon all day, and Baratheon didn't do very well, which might be why some of the Night's Watch players did a lot better. You know, Barra doesn't Barra does a lot better against Night's Watch, and Barra just fucking destroyed my Jon Snow and my Satin and all of that. All of that stuff just kept that you know crushed. But she, but again, as Dave was saying, the all the all the. Uh, Silent Sisters were absolutely lovely. They were delighted to be there. It was great to meet them all. And they gave you a cheeky kind of old art when you sat down and they were like, oh, which Met are you from? And I'm like, oh, from the Scottish Met. I'm like, ah, oh, Scottish Met, I met some of them. Here, have a call in the banners. So they were absolutely amazing and they had an actual absolutely cracking time while they were there. And it was really nice to see them. So yeah, 3-5, good fun. The end. I love it. Right now, it's the, the main one, really, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wham, we're in response to that. Um, no pressure, but we need to go through your day and analyse what happened. <laughs> became, you became third, which is the highest anyone has ever come from these fair isles, and probably the highest anyone's going to come for. A, well, actually, saying that next year, someone, one, someone, I reckon if we push next year, boys, just throwing it out there, a little bit of training, a bit of a montage video, we could do it. But no, you did, you did it exceptionally well, and uh, basically, really, now we need to go through your day and find out what we can change <laughs> to get that extra push. So. In the morning, you woke up, I'm presumably thinking you were hungover, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but what did you secure yourself for breakfast that morning? Uh, well, our flat was really close to a lovely little German bakery. Okay. Um, so my morning breakfast on the Saturday was a croissant and a berliner, which is kind of like a jam donut, I guess. So I just basically loaded up on pastry. Uh, with a little bit of sugar. That's not a bad thing. It was lovely. Yeah, that, that, actually, that does sound delightful. Ooh, continental breakfast. Okay, after that, you went to the hall. Now, what was your beverage of choice on the day in question? Mostly, like, Pepsi or Pepsi Max. Or I can't remember what they had. Some caffeinated drink to keep me awake was the order of the day. Uh, was there sugar involved? Oh, yes, definitely. Good, good. See, this is what I mean. There's, there's so far, I can't see anything. Um, in regards to deck, what deck were you taking? What deck were you playing? And how did it fare? Well, I suppose it fared well. That's not really the question. What would you change? <laughs> I, w- I was playing the Builder's deck. So very brief explanation for those that don't know. Basically, a wall defense deck play almost every single character in the game that has the Builder trait. Uh, use Brandon's Gift, which was panned when it was released but is great if you are playing several builders every round because it gives you a reduction of three gold around. Uh, your gold curve cups, uh, 
tops out at five with a grizzled miner, which is never actually played for five, so really it tops out at four with the wall. Um, <laughs> and you use Castle Black Mason, uh, which is nil two builders to get the building orders plot for free uh, two times around uh, to fetch whichever pieces you need. Mm-hmm. So that could be Cravens to put on their really good characters. It could be the oh. wall if you've not found it yet. It could be uh, abandoned stronghold, uh, which is give a defending character plus one strength for every builder you have out, uh, and is non-unique, which my opponents got to discover one by one over the course of the day, as they basically each got to say, what? It's non-unique. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone who plays against builders says that, don't they? <laughs> have a moment of discovery, certainly when you're playing against builders. Um, and it's one of those decks where a lot of people don't like playing against it, and I don't blame anyone that doesn't like playing against it because it's like a wall defense deck. It has all the bad qualities of a wall defense deck to play against, except it kind of does all of those bad things more consistently. Like the wall defense deck, it's like, oh, I hope they haven't drawn a Craven. Against builders, it's, I hope that he's only got two out of Craven and Milk in his hand and not three or more. <laughs> so yeah, the, the builders just kind of did builder stuff, really. Like uh, on the Saturday, the most notable games probably uh, were the round two. I played against a false banner watch uh, wall defense deck where we both had the wall out every single round and just got to trigger it. And the entire game, neither of us had more than one powers lead over the other. And going into the last round, he was 13-12 up, uh, but I was able to win a power challenge on attack to make it 13-12 to me win a power challenge on defense to stop him getting the power back and then trigger the wall to win. That could very easily have gone the other way. Then in round five, I played against a really interesting Martel crossing deck that was basically trying to get uh, Doran's game off for as much power as possible. Mm. Um, and I, I'll admit, I didn't remember that that existed as a thing until round four when he played Doran's game against me to gain three power from nowhere and then triggered Shadow Black Lane. Uh, to search the top 10 cards of his deck and get another Doran's game. And I was like, okay, right. I need to stop you winning Intrigue by five for the rest of the game. And then the following round, you know, I was going first. I think I just passed challenges straight away. Uh, he's done his military, he's done his power, and he's counted everything up, and he's figured out he can afford to trigger Ariane to bring in uh, Ricasso, the one that uh, increases the number of plots in your use pile, um, bestow two gold on him so that this is on round five, so at that point he's then effectively got six plots in his use pile, and he has exactly enough strength on the board that he can win the intrigue. If I defend with everyone, he wins the intrigue by six strength, and then gets to play Doran's game for six power and get a power from crossing and win the game from nowhere, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so he goes in with everyone in the intrigue. It was a 39 strength intrigue challenge. He's counted out. I've only got 33 strength available to me. <laughs> And unfortunately for him, I got to ambush in a practice blade uh, to give a character plus one strength and then kneel it with Holder to give that character plus one strength again. And he won the intrigue challenge 39 to 35. Couldn't trigger the Doran's game. And then next turn, I got to make him go first, which meant that his palace spin didn't have intrigue icons, um, which meant he had no chance of winning the intrigue by five on that last round. That was the start of me having three games in a row that went to time. So that was the I didn't get to see anyone for like three and a half hours straight period, which was good fun. Came out of that somehow uh, seven and oh, albeit with a couple of mod wins in there. 
in the seventh game, I was on the stream, and I th- I remember thinking to myself as I go on the stream, I, whatever I do, win or lose, I want to make sure I don't make a complete arse of myself. And then the very first round, we both looked calm over Westeros, tied for initiative. So I got a coin out. I was like, heads or tails? And he called something. I flipped the coin, and I managed to flip it and land it in his cup of coffee. <laughs> which is a clip that's already been isolated and posted onto youtube i think labeled the starlet trick shot championships or something like that i wondered what that was yeah <laughs> i haven't seen it yet so yeah that, that was good fun but yeah came out of that 7-0 badly in need of a break and i got badly broken in round eight i got played against tom malucci's Joe reigns which is a relatively bad matchup like it's certainly not unwinnable i've beaten Greyjoy with the Builders several times before, but it is definitely not a positive matchup, and I managed to see no economy. I used a Castle Black Mason trigger to try and find economy, didn't find any, but found the wall, and I was like, this is a bad idea to take this, but I kind of feel like I need to, given what the point of my deck is. And like, I said that out loud, and Tom was like, why is it bad? And I was like, because I really can't afford to pay four gold on this pile of shit. And then I did it anyway, and he had We Do Not Sow, hmm. which... I should have seen coming because it's a Greyjoy deck and I hear they like to run, we do not so. But at that point, my brain was kind of faulty. So I lost that one, got absolutely stomped. But at that point, I, having won the previous seven, I was in the cut anyway. The way the cut worked, it was all but two of the six twos had to play a win and in round. So everyone who was six two or better made the cut rather than it going down strength of schedule. So it made it so that instead of being a top um, 32 with a bunch of people missing the cut. It was a top 49. So that was represented in the system by being a top 64 where players one through 15 had buys, which was a good system. It meant no one got fucked over on strength of schedule. Everyone who was seven, one or higher got a buy. uh, And only two of the people that went six and two got a buy. And then the other, you know, uh, 30 or 40 odd had to play each other. Were you inspired by the Paramore Invitational when you discovered this wonderful cut? What, the system of cutting, making sure no one misses on strength of schedule and then awarding buys as a reward for the top players? Yes. Yeah, yeah of course. Good, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, Paramore Invitational, the only tournament prestigious enough that everyone who attended made the cut, as Kev would say. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that gave me an hour or so to just, you know, get my sanity back, basically. Have some food and go up to the castle. There was two more games that evening, um, and that was just more builders doing builder things. I got to play against Garyon uh, Bobek, who is a good friend. I've played him online a few times. He usually beats me, but thankfully he, it was a bad matchup for him, and he got out Miri and Drogo round one, and so round two I dueled, and that just completely screwed him. And there was a slight mishap near the end where I thought he was asking if he could concede and held out my hand. And then he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, fuck, I've made a complete tear myself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, otherwise, all good. Top 16 was a rematch from the Swiss. And despite forgetting that he ran Nothing Burns Like the Cold, uh, an opening with just the wall and letting him blow it up, that was still all good just because it was such a plus matchup that it was, you know, even with me fucking it up, I couldn't lose it really. Um, and then that was it for the night, and it was top eight in the morning. And this is where I think I've figured out what I did wrong, Peel. Ooh, you didn't have breakfast. Well, this is the thing: is I had breakfast, but I only had the croissant. I didn't have the Berliner. Oh, you had the French part of the breakfast and not the German part. That's yeah. exactly where you went wrong. You're not playing melee, Wammer. You're playing joust. It's a schoolboy error. 
French don't do joust. They do melee and they do it well. Yeah. At least now we know. Now it's been figured out. So for those of you who are listening, taking down our top tips, add that. Never have just a French pastry in the morning. You need. You know something. what? I had croissants every morning. And yeah, I did well at the melee and not at the joust. You it, did. See, this is exactly line. what I mean. Science. Yeah. I have a croissant most times we go to a tournament. And I always do rubbish. So I mean, like that—that's exactly what it is. <sighs> you live and learn. It's, uh, yeah, it's good to get to the bottom of it, you know, for science for next year. Mm. Um, but yeah, so uh, top eight was like the previous games. You know, it was just a good matchup for me. It played out how you'd expect it to. That was against Matt Edelman, newly recruited as Scottish. Hundred percent Scottish, that man. Yep. Now, now that he's gotten to the top eight at uh, Starlek, he's definitely Scottish. Absolutely. So last year we had a hundred percent Scottish Norwegian who made the top eight. This year we've got hundred percent Scottish American that made the top eight as well. We'll take it. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. We were starting to chat about it before the game, and I said that if he beats me, he's British. If he yeah. loses to me, he's Scottish. If he completely fucks up, then we're shipping him back to America. <laughs> Andy Murray syndrome. Yeah. 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 He, he ended up Scottish, which is you know middling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> but is he going to win Sports Personality of the Year? <laughs> I'm going to nominate him. He's got much more of a personality than Andy Murray. Yeah, he's never yeah. <laughs> But yeah, oh, the other thing that I did differently on Sunday to Saturday is I didn't wear the suit that I was wearing, which was covered in uh, little pictures of Santa. I think I'm right in saying it's the best piece of clothing I own. <laughs> I was a little sad when you said you weren't going to wear your Team England shirt, but I understood when I saw the... Uh, yeah, I thought, wear, wear the suit on the Saturday and then the Team England shirt on the team event. But I fi- you know, I figured since I was bringing a gift, it made sense to be Santa. Oh. It did. <laughs> but yeah, so I wasn't wearing that on the Sunday. And that, combined with missing the Berliner, came back to bite in the top four. I had a lovely game against Harren. It was really intense, really good-natured, really good fun the whole way through. And I finished uh, losing that one. It went to time uh, and we were at 10 power each. Um, so it went to cards in deck. And anyone who's played against the builders or seen the builders work knows that there's no way in hell that's ever going to win on cards in deck. I triggered the Isle of Ravens again in standing phase just in case it swung it. But no, I still <laughs> that that one card extra back in the deck didn't make up for the dozen or so that I had out of it. That that game really swung on on his first snow of winter turn. He was going to be able to win the Intrigue, because I didn't have any Intrigue icons out, but I had the Haunted Forest to stop him being able to kneel the wall. So he comes in with the Intrigue. I've got one character out with a Practice Blade, so he plays Lord Renly's Ride, so he's got Intimidate, so he can kneel that character out. I was like, that's fine, whatever. He's on Reigns, and I've got another Practice Blade in hand. So it's like, I can ambush this other Practice Blade in so that I'll have a military icon, but if I do that, then he's going to reins into Filthy Accusations, kneel one of the military icons with Filthy, and the other one with Intimidate. So I've got to hold the practice blade back in my hand, hope he misses it on the 1 in 11 intrigue claim, and then ambush it in afterwards to oppose the military. And he hit the practice blade on the 1 in 11 intrigue claim, um, which meant he could then get unopposed military through with Renown, kneel my wall, get unopposed power, get Renown power, and it was a 4 or 5 power swing, which, when you lose on cards in deck, kind of hurts. 
Although, to be fair, the, the only reason it went to cards in deck is because Harren figured that in the last round, if he passed, then it would go to cards in deck and he would win. But if he challenged me and I had nightmares, then I'd completely screw him over and I would win. So he just sort of played it safe in that last round. And as it turns out, I didn't have nightmares in hand, so he would have been fine anyway, I think. But it's more fun to complain about injury play. Right. Um, well. So yeah, that, that was my just. It was really good fun i you like the builders they're not so much fun to play against for a lot of people but i love no, I, them. I, I hate them they're, uh, they're so much fun to use to get to trigger the gift and then trigger the gift and then trigger the gift and getting all the decision points with the castle black masons and stuff is if you can find an opponent that can stomach playing against it it's just the most fun feel yes have you played against a builder's deck yes oh you have i was just thinking they must be your fucking worst nightmare they literally are. I hate them with an absolute passion. Yeah. Whenever I come up against them, I'm tempted most of the time just to stand up and walk off. I've I've played I've only played against one or two, mm. uh, and they're at tournaments, and they were just they were just horrible. Like, uh, what happens here? Nothing. Ah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> can I attack you? No. Okay. Well, let me know when I can because I'm gonna like play on this kind of thing. Um, it's that kind of game. You just sit there waiting for the triggers. Like, ah. Yeah. That's fair. I did feel bad the number of times I had to pass challenges over the course. <laughs> but I made up for it by triggering the gift a lot. It's just the passing challenges aspect. I don't pretend, understand that. Just pretend you're playing a bleeds deck and you haven't drawn bleeds. Pass challenges. Just pretend you're playing bleeds and that you just, I'll pass challenges, ambush something in on your turn, and then just bleeds. I don't know if that's how to convince Peel to like the deck. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work. Let's just run with it. I, if, if I can't make challenges, I'm not going to be happy. I want to be making challenges every time or otherwise. Yeah. Offensive decks. Decks that are heavily um, posed to attack are my personal preferences. But um, as I understand it, combo is the thing that everyone's pissed off about now anyway, not builders. So it's kind of taken the heat off me. Is that the one with the... Uh... Yeah, Viper or... Yeah, Brienne. You've seen the latest one. With Brienne, no, Brienne yeah. now. None of them sound... Yeah. Put a limit on it. Put a fucking limit on it, indeed. That's all you need to do. As a uh, an addendum to the joust, I was judging Marty's top 16 table against... I'll check joust pavilion here, which I should have done earlier when I was doing my report. Uh, Diego Garcia. I won't go into when I had to like interject and stuff, but it was... I sat down and I introduced myself and I said, I'll be actively judging, so if I see a rules infraction, I will be telling you straight away and i will also be giving warnings for stalling and if you stall twice i'll dq you and uh, and that kind of thing good yeah spoke to them introduced myself got their names and then um halfway through the first marshalling phase realized they were both spanish and they were speaking in spanish and i was just like oh shit i'm gonna have to <laughs> my game here and it was i was i was mostly all right until marty got to his uh, wardens of the south turn where every time he declares a challenge, all his Tyrell characters get plus two strength, like the participating ones. But you have to trigger it for each character. And so he did it once with one character, and I was just like, look, you're going to have to really make it obvious here, because if I don't hear you say trigger, which I won't, because you're speaking Spanish, then if Diego says he never triggered it, I win the challenge. I'm a, I've got to go with Diego, because that's what I saw. And so it was quite funny watching Marty 
really obviously point and say trigger <laughs> in English and then point to the character really animatedly. As, but that, that's, he had to do that. He could like he could not do that, but it was quite funny watching it. Just as it was heartbreaking watch Marty intimidate <laughs> the reader. And you're just like, that's there's something weird going on here because Marty, if you're not aware, Peel is the guy who designed right. the reader. Um, so watching him intimidate himself is a little kind bit of strange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was quite a fun game to watch. Yeah, and of course, that rolls quite nicely into what happened the next day because after I did that, I went to talk to Wolfgang and I was like, what time does first edition start? And he's like, I don't know, we don't have a TO. There's one thing I like, it's shouting. And if there's two things I like, it's first edition. <laughs> so I got, I was like, I'll do it, Wolfgang. I'll tell you. The third thing you like is standing on a table and doing all the previous two things. <laughs> exactly. If I could do both at the same time. It was great. You I stood loved, on a table I shouting at people regarding first edition. Yeah, what, what's not to love? That's basically how I... That's what I do at the Cox anyway. <laughs> so uh, that was that was a pleasure to TO the first edition, certainly. Well, I'd say, overall then, it sounds like you had a lovely time, all of you. It was thoroughly nice. Let's say if we're not going into anything else in Starlek, I've got two more things to mention very briefly. Oh, firstly, congratulations to Costas for winning Ooh. the first edition event. Of course, that's quite a, a renowned event, and he gets to design a card for next year to use in his first edition tournament. Um, I played the chap who won last year. He was playing a uh, a Baratheon Knights of the Hollow Hill deck, which he had borrowed from Dave Dave. And Tony had bo- Tony had mentioned this deck to me the other day, the previous day, uh, and said that there were city plots in it. So I knew to keep back my uh, my bluebird, um, and then recur my bluebird multiple times, which was nice. <laughs> so that was good. But he said uh, he came up to me at the end and he was just like, "We need to errata my camp card. It's it's bust." <laughs> I was just like, "Okay." He's like, "It needs to be limit three times per phase." I was like, "That's just obscene." <laughs> It's already got a kneeling cost, and it needs to be three times per phase. I can't remember the card exactly. Doesn't it also have a way of standing itself as well? In challenges. It, after you play an event, after you play an event, you stand it to draw a card, but that's that's got a limit on it. Yeah, so it's that plus my C worth plus forced march plus X Y and Z in a Barra two 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 deck just makes it obscene. Just discarding cards, doing nonsense. And it was it was a pleasure to watch him when he actually got it going. Uh, he didn't get it going against me, and it, I rushed hard. Costas got the opportunity to challenge me at the end of the tournament. I had purchased a some prize support from Wolfgang earlier in the weekend. Um, and for those who aren't aware, in the CCG there was some challenge decks. And we've talked about these on the cast when we talked about prize support and how they could make worlds and nationals a bit different, and these would be really good participation prizes. Uh, but they were like these broken Wildling and Varus-themed challenge decks that you would you'd win a game night, you'd get to challenge the TO who was playing this deck, and if you won the game, you'd get to keep the deck. And Wolfgang still had his from when he was a TO in like 2007. So that shows you how difficult to beat it is. And I played it against Costas, with everyone stood behind me except for Tony, who was stood behind top Costas. And it it wasn't very pretty, was it, Tony? Oh, Jesus. I felt really bad for him. I said, I mean, he won <laughs> he, he won the first edition tournament on the Sunday, having had no sleep on the Saturday night, having been up for I mean, about 40 hours. And yet, 
he was looking pretty good on it, and then he ended up going. I think he did he go. Yeah, he must. He went five zero. He went right? five zero. He went five zero yeah. on the Sunday, and won and won it and got his card design. And then he sat down and they've spanked these bum with a fucking CCG deck. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of like your mum and dad telling you you're getting you know, that they're getting divorced on your birthday. It's like, hey, happy <laughs> birthday! We've got some bad news for you. So he sat down and he was playing Lanny Conquest Stark or Stark Conquest Lanny. I can't remember which way round it was, but he sat there and and, and he just started playing. And you know, he was, he was sitting opposite you and you had like six people behind you. And I was seeing the stuff he was drawing or whatever. And you just, you know, all the cards that you were drawing were cards that you'd never basically seen before. <laughs> and I'd never played. So it was like, you, so you were, you were drawing cards kind of going, ooh, ooh. That's interesting. <laughs> That's going to be horrible. The cost of being costless is going, ah, yeah, okay, right, okay, go on with it. Sure, sure. You're going to kill my uh, double-duped Rob Stark with one single event? Yeah, sure, carry on. He, I think he got to two power. <laughs> it was obscene because I know his entire board except for Janos yeah. and then put an, put an attachment on Janos, um, which allowed me to kneel an influence to take control of him for the phase. I was like, That's nice. And then I won a challenge, and yeah, the card response after you win a challenge, choosing killer character cannot be saved. Yeah, like that's good. That's a good card. That was a good card. And, and then there's the other event um, response cancelled or triggered effect cannot be cancelled. But that is limit one per round. In fairness, yeah. there is semblance of balance. <laughs> that, in a way, that makes it worse because yeah. like, they recognise <laughs> this is too powerful and. So they're like, okay, nope, we'll stick a limit on it. One yeah. per round, now it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the agenda is uh, after you kneel your, after you win an entry challenge, kneel your house card to uh, recur an event. So, just infinite cancels. I was having a great time. It's good fun. We decided that maybe we want to have an event where you can play your unrestricted first edition bullshit, and then one player just plays the Varus deck, and we see who wins. Just in a normal tournament, will it just knock everything out? And we're saying like the the decks it might have trouble with is stuff like Maidenspain. Yeah, cannot be because stuff, it yeah. doesn't it doesn't have any location control, but it has control for everything else. Mm. But you can just cancel so, Maidenspain uh, with your once per round thing. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> as long as you can get that and recur that, you're probably okay. There's not actually that very many cards in the deck. But there's like multiple copies of them all, so the deck's ridiculously consistent because you're always going to draw into one of those ridiculous cards. If anything, the, yeah, if anything, that's... I think we thought that one of the decks that might have been good against it would be something like a Hod Ten Towers because it just used the cards against it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah, it's funny. Somebody said, "Oh, maybe Second Edition Varus," and it's just like, no, because Second Edition Varus is Varus, and the agenda says Neil and influence to return Varus to hand, so he's never getting to dominance phase. It's like, oh. It's just, <laughs> just everything was just like, oh, that is really good, except this card just ruins it. Aegon's Hill, you put Varus in the dead pile. Oh, this card brings Varus out of the dead pile. Uh, yeah, so the deck was fantastic fun, and I'm going to bring it to any first edition tournament that we have, however thin on the ground they are. So at Blackwater for the draft, and if there's one in Scotland and that kind of thing, yeah. um, I'll bring it along. Grab me between rounds. It doesn't take long to play. <laughs> <laughs> it will just destroy you but it is it is worth it you need to experience it um, and I will um, I'm going to try and get a deck list for the Wildlings one because I think Will Lentz has a copy if I remember correctly and I'll proxy that so we can have that and if anyone sees one going I want it so tell me but the reason I knew about the Knights of the Hollow Hill deck is because Tony had been playing it on the Friday 
So do you want to talk to us about that other side event, Tony? We had a lovely side event on the Friday, yeah. Um, normally, the main chance, outside of just kind of playing casual games with friends, normally it's like the, the real main chance to play first edition is obviously on the Sunday, uh, which normally gets a decent amount of players. Uh, there weren't as many this year as there were last year, but I don't, I don't think... 33 this year, though, which is really good, I thought. Yeah, so we... we, all, we I was very happy with that. Yeah, we have a, you know, we have a great time playing, uh, playing first ed on the Sunday, and it's a nice kind of wind down, and we get to play in the hall, and with you know no one else there but first edition players are going to have it to ourselves. It's very pleasant. Stalic really kind of like turned up its kind of side event game this year. It had a bit of L5R, as everything's kind of obliged to have a little bit of L5R these days. And it had its draft events and it had its CCG events. But uh, one of the guys there, uh, known as uh, Dave Dave, I believe he is, Stalic Dave, as I think I was calling him for the, for, for, <laughs> for the night, ran an event that was called Rental Car. Now, the rental car tourney, the basis of this was that it was a first edition tournament where you got given a random first edition deck to play. There were, Dave had built 32 first edition decks that were all kind of popular decks through the heyday of first edition. Uh, they were all, I think, using the kind of most recent restricted list. So in some instances, the decks weren't maybe as good as they were back in the heyday. They weren't completely running the most restricted list. Mm. There were a couple, because obviously um, there was like Maester decks with uh, Valerian still linking yeah. and stuff. So some of the, there, there were slight variants, yeah. but some of the really, really old abusive ones weren't there. Yeah, so it was a nice balance of kind of going, these were the old decks. They're not quite as broken as they were then, but they're still just a little bit broken, you know, just so you can still see how they work. So he had 32 kind of, he had 32 decks, and he brought down, I think there was only, it was quite, initially quite disappointed, but I think a lot of people that played it, that watched it being played, really want to play it again next year. And I think he was quite encouraged and he will run it next year. There was only about, I think about 16 people that signed up for it. And we played in the cafe and he brought one of those little kind of globe-like cages with lots of little balls in with numbers on. So that at the beginning of the round, I mean, and he, he, he rocks up to the cafe with this and his laptop and everyone kind of went, ooh, random numbers, ooh, little tombola, excellent, what's he doing? And so, yeah, everyone got so everyone got paired up, and he would read out the first pairing. And I think, for example, like the first game I played is I played against Crocs, and it would go like Tony Megos, and he'd roll the thing, he'd roll the random ball simulator thing, whatever you want to call it, and it would be like deck twenty nine. And so you would go around the corner and you'd look at you'd find deck twenty nine and kind of go, ooh, I'm playing this deck, and then Crocs went around and kind of got his number. So every single pairing was playing random decks. And it was hilarious. It was brilliant fun. You know, my, my first game, my first game, I picked the only deck that didn't have any notes accompanying it and didn't actually have a note on the top of it saying what it was. Because what he had done had, has written documents alongside every single deck. He put a deck list. He put a history of how the deck came together and roughly how to play the deck. Some erratas for some of the cards in there. It was like a yeah, it was like a library of first edition. It's like he's a kind of you know historian of the of, of, of first edition of the game. And so I picked up this deck and I'm like, I have no idea what's in this. And so I opened it up, got the deck out, had a great joy house card. Instantly my heart sank because I fucking hate first edition. Great. <laughs> There's absolutely no use in playing it, least of all, and, and certainly not playing against it. So I slide it down to see what the agenda is. Greyjoy Knights of the Realm. <laughs> so, right. So I so I paused and went, right, is this this is the joke deck of the thirty two, right? This is the this is 
this is taking the piss and I've kind of you've been really you know it's really bad luck and I've kind of drawn the Do you want day. to explain that to uh, second edition players so they're aware of what Knights of the Realm does and exactly how many That's, Knights are in Great Exactly so Knights of the Realm is a popular agenda certainly out of Lannister and Baratheon in first edition it's mm-hmm. a deck that basically you draw an extra card in the draw phase if you have more Knights on the table than your opponent but the balance of the agenda was that you draw one less card if you had fewer knights on your side of the table. Greyjoy have one knight. In, the, in first edition, he had one knight. The knight called the knight. He was a four-cost knight. But Greyjoy not knowing for their honourable knight characters. Okay, so I'm looking at this deck and I'm going, I'm fucking hellless, I'm playing, uh, you know, Greyjoy Knights. Okay, so let's see what this is. So I had a flick through it and it turned out it was basically a Kingsguard Shadows deck, but with a little bit of Greyjoy choke in it. So I sat down and I played against Crocs, who was playing Stark House of Dreams Harrenhal, which was... Oh, fuck yeah, off. Exactly, yeah. which was, yeah. <laughs> um, I sat down and kind of went, I don't know, I can't play Choke. I'm no good at fucking playing Choke. I can play Shadows. I'm definitely quite good at that. I quite enjoy bringing me, whoa, 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 pre-plot action. Well, pop me Preston back to Shadows. Excellent. And we'll do a cheeky Valor and then we'll pop it back out for the draw phase and draw three cards. Yes. Uh, I'm like, this is lovely. But I had like two rounds where I had like Ice Fisherman out and had made it winter and completely forgot that they had power icons and I could make gold off the other player and all that kind of stuff. I think I, wa- I ended up winning that. Uh, because I hated every single play I made. I really did. You know, it's just fucking stinking Greyjoy stuff. I've got, I've, I've got the spar, just disgusting Greyjoy cards that I didn't, you know, hate, hated playing. But I ended up beating Crocs because I think his deck kind of crapped out on him and he didn't really know how it worked. Or not so much know how it worked, he didn't know. That deck didn't work quite as well against Greyjoy because obviously Harrenhal works when characters are killed and Greyjoy are quite good at not making characters die. So every time, uh, Every time you wanted to trigger Harren Hall, I would, you know, Iron Cliffs me, uh, my guys. But yeah, so I had this first game where I won with a Greyjoy deck and it was kind of horrible. And then my next kind of, when my next round, I end up drawing a random Baratheon Knights of the Hall Hill deck, the one that you were playing against there, Dave. And I ended up playing Donovan, who was playing a Greyjoy Kings of Winter deck. And I thought, for fuck's sake. So I've got to be choked to death now, have I? Oh, great. Knights of the Hall Hill works quite well against choke because you've got extra gold. And I ended up beating a Greyjoy deck, which was beating that Greyjoy deck, which was particularly nice because I won with a Greyjoy deck that I hated playing, and then I beat a Greyjoy deck that I hated playing against, which was, which was lovely. And then played another couple of games with the uh, various random decks. I played with like a Martell Living Apart deck, which I could not draw a decent set up and got thumped and just scooped at the end of it. Uh, Costas made his way to the final of that. We only had like four rounds, but it was just a delight that everyone was sitting around kind of, it was like opening a present at the beginning of every round and kind of going, ooh, I'm going to play this. Oh, I was never any good at playing this. What did you get? Oh, I got this. Oh, this is a terrible matchup. Oh, this is going to be very entertaining. And or people that had never played those particular decks sitting down and kind of reading through the notes and kind of going, okay, so that's what I should be opening up with. And uh, okay, so I need to look for that card and that card. And uh, okay, I'm putting this thing aside and then, you know, getting getting absolutely destroyed. So it was a really, really kind of nice few hours kind of in the cafe on, on, on Friday night. And there was lots of people that were standing by watching kind of going, oh, man, I wish I'd signed up for this. So that'll learn you, people. If it looks like a good kind of side event, then fucking sign up for it because, you know, otherwise it won't get played next year. But it sounds like he will play it next year. And, uh, yeah, everyone had a very lovely time. Uh, Costas made it to the final because Costas is very good at first edition, if you hadn't heard. Uh, but he got beaten by Dave, who was the runner of the event itself. He's a little bit suspect, but I'll let him off because it was a lovely event. 
So yeah, a bit more first edition this weekend than I think uh, we expected, and the weekend was much better for it. See, that sounds, I must admit, that whole uh, idea of coming in and just getting given a deck and going, there you go, but it's randomly chosen, that sounds just fun as a concept anyway, even if it was in second edition. I, I particularly enjoyed that event, despite not not playing in it, because I, I walked up to Dave after being knocked out of the melee and said, you know, wh- where did you get the decks from? Did you build them? He's like, yeah, I built them all from like my card pools. He has multiple, many card pools that he's picked up after the death of first yeah. edition on the cheap. He's a man after my own heart. Um, and I was like, so what did you, where did you get the list? He got, so I got them on a lot of the lists online, and two of the decks are yours. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, yes, I have a fucking legacy. Two of the decks are mine. And that, honestly, was the highlight of my weekend. I don't think anything this year will be as satisfying as that. Just, oh, that was wonderful. What? I, I'm assuming Hod Solar. Hod Solar was one of them, yep. Barrowmasters? It's yeah. Barrowmasters, it yeah. It's Barrowmasters, yeah. Well, so that's a tough draw for whoever little... gets it, competitively hollow deck like that. Yeah, exactly. So they all had like a little history um, attached to them. And uh, the Barrowmasters one says, you know, this is the deck that proved Europe was a competitively hollow mess. <laughs> that kind of thing. Really just playing into it with his ridiculous 63 cards or whatever it was. Which I was just like, oh, this is brilliant, this is brilliant. And then the Doran Solar deck said, you know, like, the Brits built this and uh, took it to Worlds and Starlek. I think Dave piloted it. Like, yes, that is, that is definitely true. But one guy was playing it. And I was like, oh, are you enjoying the Solar? He's like, yeah, it's Shadowblades deck. I was like, no, mate, it's not Shadowblades deck because it's got a fucking da- Dragonbone Dagger in it. That is 100% mine tech. And by my tech, it's probably Rowan's tech that I stole. <laughs> but it's certainly British tech. Not running no bullshit cities in Gaston Grey. We were running proper plots and Dragon Moon Dagger. Um, and then, like, three or four people said that to me in the first edition event as well. I was like, oh, are you playing Shadowblade's deck? It's like, no, I'm playing my deck that Wabber and Wedge helped me with. But was originally my deck. And I played it first because I played it at Paramore Invitational Worlds before they played it at Starlack. So, pff, Spain. Yeah, you played it before the Solar even came out, didn't you? I did. The day, like two days after it spoiled, uh, Rowan, Reese, and I built a deck with it at like three o'clock in the morning, and I played it for like six months. Got bored before it even came out, and then forgot about it until right at the end. And then dug, dug out my list, swapped Vipers, and went for it. So yeah, being a part of first edition history was was satisfying. So I'm definitely going to try and play that now. You don't get enough respect, Dave. That's the thing. No, that's right. Yeah, no one credits me with with shit. Anyway. And that's enough about first edition. Please, someone get me off that and get me onto something else. Yeah. Okay then. It's only Monday. There's plenty of time for that later in the week. Hmm. I'm ticking things off my list. The list that you don't. That I've told you that I've got, and you don't know that I'm ticking things off. I'm like, I've talked about that. I've talked about do that. Just, do you want to just shout them out at the end? Can you turn it into some kind of freestyle rap? Because if you can, that'll be uh, fantastic. I mean, yes, I can, but I'm Thank not you. going to. Oh. It's important to know that I, I'm capable of freestyling this entire <laughs> but I'm not going to poison your ears with it. Right, well, in that case, I think it's probably best if we move on to our photographic competition, mm. which is the full name. The full name is actually Photo on the Bench, How, Why Ever Not. Um. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we've had a few entries for this, and I'm looking at them all, and of course, unfortunately, it's fallen to me to make a decision, and then ask you for your address so I can send you things. Now, I'm going to name them all in no particular order to begin with. The first entry that we received 
was from Matthew. Matthew's there taking a picture with Dan Williams as well. I believe that is a is that a, a mighty kind of old school pint glass? Yeah, probably nicked it from the castle. It's fucking huge. Mm. But yes, they're drinking in what we can only assume is the area of the bench. However, the bench is not in photo. And so for that reason, sadly, unfortunately, the bench, they could be anywhere. To be fair, I could take that down my local. I should have entered myself. Um, we also had an entry from James where James was basically, I think, I can tell this is on the way up, mostly because it's daylight. It is a bit of a hint, really. You can tell really what time, you know, whether it's the morning before the drinking or not, just simply by the, 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 the amount of light present. It's not a pleasant climb. I'm sure you're all aware. Uh, and James did captivate this by sitting on the bench and basically saying, fuck this hill, uh, in another form of words. We also had, oh, is that a new bin? That, there's the hat. Oh, are these a hat? The yeah, there's a, there's a Lannister hat on James's head. And they were just kind of the hats. Is anyone else wearing it? Mate is, is Mate wearing a hat or is he just, is that just a hat? Mate is wearing a Martell hat. Correct. Okay. Okay. Well, either way, that's another entry. We also had a entry from Rebecca. Now you're going to have to help me name everyone in that because I can't tell who is passed out on the bench getting tea back. Okay, so you can you can read the caption and it will tell you. Uh... Well, what I've done, Dave, is I've taken screenshots very cleverly so that I can scroll through them quickly. Okay. Ah, well that's that's an error because you missed the captions and the captions, the captions are, are which bit. is why I'm now loading the captions up rapidly on my phone because okay. of course. So the caption of this this photo, and we'll post them all uh, with the episode. The, fo- the, the caption of this was um, Martin Lewis being teabagged by Joel Pearson and sat on by Joe Zimmer, whilst Richard Walker apparently grew an extra head in the form of George Anchors with an extra set of arms. And it's just it's just a pile up on the bench, which I appreciate. It's got more people than should be in one bench photo. Lots of Southern second edition players all in one bench. Yeah, I do enjoy that bench. Possibly too many. The sheer <laughs> amount of people on the bench is putting it high up on my list. <laughs> just because it captivates the pain, truly. It, it just captivates the pain. <laughs> That's all you want to do when you reach that bench. Yeah, and I appreciate that someone's putting their balls in Martin Lewis's mouth. So You have to on occasion. <laughs> we did also have another entry, by the way, um, by Michael, which I missed the first time. And he's taken a very nice panoramic kind of camera. Uh, well, no, it's a fisheye lens, I think. He's got a, a fisheye lens on his camera, and he's managed to captivate the hill, the, the view from the bench, uh, on two occasions. One was a fisheye lens, and the other one he has used, if I can find the second one, which, of course, is further down the list. There's so many. There's six. Six is so many. But yes, his, his picture from the hill is gorgeous. It is. Like, it, it, it looks fantastic. He's done two of them. So, to be honest, I think, if anything, although it's not necessarily the prize he was wanting for, I, I would certainly think of putting that as our new banner photo on our Facebook page, if he'll, uh, if he'll allow that. Um, because that's, I've, I've been thinking about updating photos, so we'll have to have a, an off-air discussion about that later. Yeah, <laughs> the photos might need a little bit of updating, and to be honest, that would be a, an excellent one to have up until the run to Christmas, mm. uh, if nothing else at all. Uh, if he's all right with us using that, I'm sure I, I will ask him via uh, message uh, tomorrow. So that, that that that's that one. This is I don't want to choose. I kind of just want to send presents to everyone. Is that an option? It, it's your competition, Peel. You can do whatever the fuck you like. Oh, all right. T- tell us about the other photos, though. Okay then. Still got still got two. We've more. got yes, we've got a couple. 
Uh, we've got one from, uh, and I do apologise if I'm, I'm pronouncing the name wrong. Um, it is my honest apologies. I've got Soraya. Is that right? Soraya? Soraya, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that looks right. Which also here has uh, one person kindly sat on the bench, uh, a look of disdain in Soraya's face, with the caption, again, fuck the bench. The bench <laughs> is not very popular. No, not fuck the bench, Bill. Fuck the stairs. <laughs> Don't get the moon, fuck the stairs. People are happy to see the bench. <laughs> the bench is a Please, I think you need to go back to school sometimes, Phil. Like, <laughs> just, just relearn to read. Well, up the stairs. But there's a collage there as well. So the few that she sent in. One at night as well, which is on the walk down. And then we've got a passed out person on a, uh, a plane to finish it off. Which isn't on the bench in question, but is on a bench in the sky. Um, <laughs> which, almost, <laughs> which almost sounds like um, a nice way. Uh, the next one was a more, again, and we had kind of a mixture. We had selfies on the bench, we had group shots on the bench, and then we had this from Rowan, which is almost a bit like a, a still imagery, um, a bit of kind of nice, just a nice photo, a nicely captioned photo. And he basically captioned an ode to the last bottle of the weekend. I'm sorry our relationship could not reach its appropriate conclusion, comrade. May your spirit fly free down the Rhine and to, uh, sorry, and to a warm oblivion <laughs> like that, which I don't know. What time did he send this? Um, <laughs> fair enough. A Rhine <laughs> until a warm oblivion like that. You and your fellows granted me throughout this the greatest of holidays. Uh, and he has just submitted a lovely bottle. And is that that's a wine? It is a wine. I believe that's some lovely, lovely local wine, which must admit i do need to try and i don't think i ever have in 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 a proper quantity yet it's more likely been brought on the ferry but yes it does look nice it does um and it it's got like a filter on it so it looks like some hipsters instagram post (laughs) it's the cork sticking out the top as well normally i'm just like nah but rowan's really uh captured the feel of walking down the hill at four o'clock in the morning and the bottle of wine as well the the dark subtle tones but it's very much a kind of end of the weekend photograph because it's a photograph of the bench there's no one on it but half a bottle of wine that the caption that you just read out states you know that's me i i hoped you know i i hoped i could go the whole weekend and kind of finish you off but you know my weekend is over i've had a lot of fun and i can't i can't finish kind of consummating the relationship that we had together and leaving leaving at the bench and then kind of walking away and it's, it's a lovely kind of like poignant end to a kind of weekend of you know joyous kind of hijinks and drinking and uh, and they're like yeah it's very it's very point it's the kind of poignancy i didn't expect in you know a photo from a bench I, it's tipped i like that one <laughs> it's captivating in a way it feels sad makes you think is that bottle of wine still there for example um no but if he still was <laughs> no. there for a moment <laughs> no for i know for a fact that it's not there anymore <laughs> and finally we've got another one <laughs> this is still making you laugh right <laughs> every fucking time i open it up it's because it's at 11 51 it's not even that late this is quite early in the grand scheme of the evening no like, no no this this was sent this was sent at 11 51 on tuesday oh so it was open so it wasn't at none of these were sent during starlight <laughs> except for matt's yeah. i was hoping that was sent actually at the time period Either way, it's fantastic. No. Um, this one's from Kev. Basically, it, it just captivates a, um, a site which I'm sure we're all used to in some ways. 
It's a topless mooch down by his feet, a bottle of beer, laying on a bench um, with the caption, paint me like one of your reach girls. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be honest, knowing that Dave has pulled that pose, and I'm sure many others have pulled that pose, it also captivates the spirit of Starlet with topless people <laughs> and drunken things. Now, picking a winner. Make a decision. You can't end the podcast on a cliff.